Welcome, welcome, friend, to the Let Me Play Project podcast. Just like last week, I have another small pocket of time in which I have to record, which means that I have this challenge of trying to record succinctly and edit and post and everything. But I also have the added challenges of the afternoon sleepies, and for whatever reason, all of the planes and all of the automobiles have decided to go past and over my apartment in Atlanta today. So we're navigating the soundscape as well. But, you know, we, we like a challenge and we accept those challenges and we surpass them. So challenge accepted. The plan today as it stands is to record this intro and outro, to take a quick power nap, to edit and post everything, then hopefully to grab a snack, and then head to work for my 10.30pm call time. So that'll be fun. It really will. I'm actually really excited for it. But just gotta be strategic. So let's go ahead and dive in. This week really ties into our word of the day, which is curiosity, because it was a week of experimentation and novelty. I did a lot of things that I hadn't done or seen before, and I tried to both appreciate those experiences as much as I could and to ask questions when I felt like I needed more answers. At the beginning of the week, I took a half-day trip outside of Atlanta to Athens, Georgia, to record another episode of my podcast, which will be coming out soon. And Athens was just really lovely. It's this quaint little town tucked away in the countryside. It's very quiet, or at least it was when I there. I hear it gets kind of rowdy, and it's actually a big drinking town. (laughs) But it was quiet when I was there. And it was like just really charming. I loved seeing the evidence of the music industry and history and also the artistry and community were both very present in the parts of town that we visited. So I very much enjoyed that trip. I always love when opportunities naturally present themselves for me to go and explore a little bit outside of Atlanta. So that was a lot of fun. In the middle of the week, I had my first couple of day shoots with the show that I am currently on, and that was fun because all of the days that I had previously worked up until that point had been nights, actually, so it was it was neat coming to work during the day, and we were on a soundstage at a, at a studio around here, so that was a little bit exciting and a little more official, too, although I, I love shooting on location, so... That was a good time. I did notice, however, that my energy levels were a lot lower on the first day because I am not a morning person. I am I much prefer the evenings and the nights. And because my energy levels weren't where they needed to be, I wasn't quite awake and I didn't take that time to get myself awake. I felt pretty sluggish up until lunch on the first day. And I didn't hold anybody back, but I did catch myself becoming a little bit anxious just about what I was doing and unsure and just a little bit hyper self-aware. And there were a couple of times also where people had to give me directions more than once or repeat what they said or break down something 
that was relatively simple. But because I noticed the drastic change in my energy levels before and after lunch on that first day, I decided that on the second day, I would wake up substantially earlier and give myself time to gradually wake up. So I decided that since my call time was at 10.12, I would wake up at 6.30ish and head to the gym. And I did. And I had plenty of time for my workout, so I took that at a nice and leisurely pace and got it all in and took as much time as I needed. And I even came all the way back to my apartment and showered and had a nice like little morning journal session with some hot chocolate. And I felt really energized and I felt ready to take on the day, even though I didn't have a full night of sleep, which is usually what I would rely on is more sleep as opposed to more activity. But in this case, I think the physical activity combined with the shower, combined with the slightly caffeinated hot chocolate and driving to work really set the tone for the day and also made me feel like I was taking charge of my day and I wasn't just reporting for duty, so to speak. So that really worked for me and I think I'm going to try and apply that strategy to to the other days that I work and see how much I can do because I, I don't want to just neglect the the training that I'm putting in and the working and the physical working out and such that I'm doing. So I was glad that that experiment was successful. I also went to an Aikido class at the beginning of the week and it was the first class where I felt somewhat proficient at the techniques that we were doing, which was good. I got several affirmations from from our instructor. So that was very fun. And at Irish Dance this morning, I felt very confident in the soft shoe real step that we learned. And I can see that I'm getting better at the hard shoe hornpipe. So there's definitely lots of room for improvement there, but there's also lots of opportunity for growth. So it's exciting. All of these things led my week to feel really fulfilled. I think that they made me feel fulfilled because they inevitably targeted my sense of curiosity and my lust for learning and my desire to grow. Curiosity to me is a source of energy. It's what inspires me to to keep going and to to get better and to learn more. And it's very alluring. It's very attractive. It feels like a magnet that pulls me and guides me along. And I've noticed that when there isn't curiosity, when I stop being curious about the things that I'm doing, or when the people around me stop being curious about me, then I am repulsed. It's almost as if the magnet has two positive poles or two negative poles and you're trying to push the ends to together and it just doesn't work. There's a, a natural repulsion. And in those cases, it's it, it's almost seems like I'm forbidden <laughs> to continue in that environment or to continue with that relationship because it seems like I'm forcing myself to make something work that's not supposed to work. So I have sort of trained myself, I guess, to follow where 
my curiosity leads me. And I kind of have been appreciating that approach. I've asked a lot of questions and I've learned a lot of things. And I flit around to a bunch of different things, which definitely seems chaotic and is hard to convey to people why I prefer to do that instead of just sticking with one job or one activity that's sustainable and that I can track my progress at. But I found that when I ask questions and I'm interested in in the learning, then my curiosity is both replenished and satiated at a, at a natural rate and I can just follow it and, and grow and and learn. And that's what's fulfilling to me, chasing chasing the chasing that learning. I also tend to grow out of people a lot, which is super sad. And I feel kind of weird saying because I don't ever want that to be the case, but because I am so focused on growth and lifelong learning and skepticism and all of those things, there've been several people in my life who I have initially had a strong connection towards because I could see how their mind worked and that was very compelling to me. But eventually for whatever reason or reasons, the curiosity that I saw and admired in them faded and sometimes turned into assumption or turned into silence or something in between. And it just pushed me away. So I had to move on. And that repulsion has been consistent between relationships and also environments. It seems like whenever I lose the curiosity and the desire to learn more about the environment that I'm in and the people that I'm with or vice versa, then it seems like it's time for me to move on. And so I do. That's not to say that I couldn't ever come back to those environments or to those people, because most of the time I could and would love to. It's just my time spent with these people in these places is all seasonal and has natural beginnings and natural endings. So I try not to, to force it. However, there have been a select number of people that I truly treasure because they don't make assumptions more than they ask questions and they don't ask lazy questions and they're active listeners. They make me feel truly seen and truly heard and I just really love spending time with them. One of these people is my good fun friend, Sean Krubeck. Sean is the most curious of cats. She has this incredible way of really getting to know somebody, not just based upon the surface level things of what someone does or what their basic interests in, but she really tries to empathize with everyone she meets and get to know them on a more personal level. She's really interested in what people are feeling in certain situations and how those feelings make people act the way they do. So she has a really deep appreciation for people's 
psychologies and psyches, which I share, so that's fascinating to me. Sean is also an excellent active listener, so anytime we chat, I feel like we really get into substance instead of pleasantries, which I appreciate. And she also has this intense capacity to remember the little things about people. And her quality of memory is actually one of the first things that I remember about her. In fact, in one of my first encounters with Sean, she showed me that she really listens because she referenced something small and insignificant that I had told her probably the first time we talked. And I don't remember what that little thing was now, but I do remember that in the moment I was kind of taken aback and pleasantly surprised and I thought to myself, oh, I've really got to step up my, my memory game. She remembers things about people, so I should remember things about her. And since that encounter, I've tried not only to listen and to affirm or engage, but also to retain the information that I get from people. Because remembering the little things is not a little thing to people. It means a lot when you can tell them their favorite color or what they did on their 10th birthday or what type of tea they like to have in the morning. And it really feels good to connect with people about these, these small little things that make us all human. So I'm very grateful for Sean to have taught me that and also to have Sean in my life. So without further ado, I will happily take your ticket and seat you in this tilt-a-whirl of a conversation that we have in front of you. It's a little bit of a longer one, but it's a lot of fun. Lots of faster, a little bit chaotic energy, and then a lot of calmness and stoicism as well. So. I think you'll have a lot of fun spinning round and round. Make sure to keep all hands and feet in the cart while in motion and enjoy the ride. red yellow yellow red was it yellow lorry lorry yellow lorry yellow lorry yellow lorry new unique new york oh yeah i like that one unique unique new york new york <laughs> and then um uh the no that was different the yan Wait, the laurel and the yanny. I've never heard that one. That? It's not a vocal warm up, but it's um, it it was kind of like the blue dress, gold dress thing. But like, what did you see? Oh man, I saw blue. I saw blue. Okay, <laughs> we're on the blue squad. <laughs> Just pull out my designate dagger. Right, right, you saw Wendell. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that was really divisive. That was a divisive time in our <laughs> I remember thinking, oh, it's so silly that people are getting really whipped up. Chris, what do you see? He said, why in gold? I was like, 
Oh no. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> what is wrong with Something's you? wrong with your your uh, your cornea. Yeah. Your, your <laughs> some sort of eye anatomy. <laughs> That's so funny. They proved how it was different with light and screens, and I just like. What you mean, science? Who's <laughs> <Ugh. laughs> got time for science? Not me. I only have time for science when it's Bill Nye. I'm sorry. I didn't grow up in America, so. Oh yeah. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't have Bill Nye. Oh wow! Did you guys have any like pop science people? No. <gasps> wow. We had an art guy. Okay. He. He hosted Art Attack, and he would just make art. And, like, yeah, that was... Or maybe I just focused on that because I'm more artistic. Right. But I don't remember there being a science-y. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He just kind of... I might have just tuned it out, though. (laughs) Just, like, white noise. Well, when you're little and you're just kind of, like, watching things, you tend to only, like, watch the things that are interesting and captivating yeah but i don't believe there's a popular science figure like bill nye and who's the other guy uh well now there's neil degrasse tyson that's it yeah is he did he take over bill nye or is it a different show um he has i think his he's had many shows Mm. um but his main one that he's known for i believe is star talk which is more so bill nye was very much for children Mm -hmm. um because it was very like performative and there was a lot of like stimulation going on Mm. and he was kind of he's kind of a wacky character Mm -hmm. um and so he was trying to make science very accessible to children um which he did a good job with but neil degrasse tyson is he's still like pop science but he speaks on things that are like concepts and theories that are a lot more complex oh yeah yeah okay yeah. okay okay. so i think he's had a lot of shows and then he's always like hosting things and like mm. traveling a lot to kind of spread the science word um but yeah that's that's who we got <laughs> in our corner we had blue pizza did you ever see that when you were no. in england it was this like how do i explain blue pizza it was a BBC show okay. that they filmed in a studio with three or four Blue Pizza presenters. Okay. And they would just talk about different things like current events and like uh, kids would come on and or they, they'd award kids Blue Pizza badges on good deeds oh. or like accomplishments. So there was an element of like prestige yes so if you got a blue pea a badge it was like oh, oh wow you were on television wow. and you were and they had like different tiers of badges they had like the standard white one and then like a gold one and it was yeah wow i'm intrigued <laughs> yeah so like say like oh this kid like collected all this trash from the streets oh, just out okay. of just because he wanted to then they write a letter into Blue Peter, and then Blue Peter would come out and give you a badge. And Oh, wow. Yeah, and then they do, like, crafts, like, arts and crafts and yeah. cooking. And yeah. It was it was a really weird show when I think about it. That, I mean, it's strange, it was, but it sounds really endearing. It was kind of like, you know, like a good morning show. Yeah. With, like, the different sections and segments, like interviews and things like that. It was mm-hmm. like that, but more for children and more about doing good things. Oh, well, that's kind of sweet. Yeah. That's kind of sweet. 
And it's nice to see, it's nice for kids to see kids being kind of commended or awarded for like positive contribution Mm -hmm. and instinct and drive like Mm -hmm. that. So I appreciate the sentiment, I think. About 90% of the presenters were always caught doing something like drugs oh no <laughs> so it was like this thing like you're supposed to be a blue peter presenter oh, no. you were caught doing cocaine out of this public toilet in oh, the park and it's like i'm so sorry that i did that oh like, my god they somehow found the most like crazy people to be blue peter presenters really yeah it was, it was strange i feel like that's always how it goes though um like with just you know like the kids programming anything related to that like you always hear about like the disney stars that kind of go down the rabbit hole they do or... <laughs> oh my goodness so it's kind so of... much drugs so many drugs so many drugs so many drugs oh my gosh that's the worst um and for whatever reason every time you've been saying blue peter that's what it's called right yep for whatever reason, my mind immediately goes to Peter Rabbit. I was gonna say Peter Rabbit. Really? Yeah. yeah. So I just am picturing this like official kind of like like spaceship logo, but with like a bunny in profile. It was like a pirate ship. Okay. Not a pirate ship, but you know, like with the masts and yeah, sails. Sure. It a was proper a, ship. It was the blue Peter. Yeah. It was a real ship. Wow. Um, I don't. It might still be going. I don't know. <laughs> well, I'll have to check it out. Have we started? Oh yeah, oh yeah, we've got all of this. We've got it all. Oh my goodness, I'm so sorry. Oh no, this is is star S tier quality. Yes. I nailed it. I nailed it, mom. You really did. I have a podcast about. Thanks for listening, everybody. Hope to see you next week. That was it. Yay. Wow. No, see, and this is why I wanted to have you on just because selfishly I just wanted to to have you back in chat. Ooh, <laughs> thank you for having me. People to chat with and um specifically what I associate you with is your just like wonderful inquisitiveness and your curiosity because you've always you're so good at really remembering things about people and um like asking questions that are that have depth to them Mm -hmm. and you know not just the surface level pleasantries and so I really appreciate that about you and I was missing it so I was like let me see if I can talk to (laughs) yay that's so sweet of you to say thank you (laughs) I try my best to be Deeper than surface level. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because that bores me to no end. Oh, it's so boring, right? It's so (laughs) boring just going through the motions and like, like you kind of have a script that you have to stick to Mm -hmm. and you know that the other person, if they're adhering to that script, they don't really care what you say. Mm. And um, do you think deeply about that at all? Or do you kind of just like launch into conversation with people do you mean do I think about what I'm gonna ask yeah 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 uh no I just go in I'm just really curious yeah no you for sure are and I love that um yeah I'm trying to work on being more present with the people that I'm with and not 
filtering myself or like mm. uh, editing myself while I'm talking. Mm-hmm. So yeah, anytime that I can practice being present. I'm, I guess I'm interested in what people feel a lot of the time. So I try and ask questions that is more about how it made you feel. I, I mm. guess I'm, people always say to me like, you should be a therapist. Really? Yeah, like you should be a counselor, a, thera- a therapist. And I'm like, I don't know. I can't handle that pressure. That's <laughs> like, a lot of You know, pressure. people depending on me for their mental health. But yeah, yeah. That's the kind of like, I just like knowing details and things not to like manipulate i'm doing these really creepy hands right now <laughs> the creepiest of hands the creepiest of hands like ooh, i like to know everything <laughs> <laughs> she's coming for you i know <laughs> yeah i i i i guess i'm a very empathetic person yeah so i just like to know everything about when I'm interested in someone, I just like want to know how they work. And... Right. Because it interests me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's an, I can always tell that it's a, like an authentic interest. Mm. It's not just, um, it's coming from a place of wanting to know how something works or if it's a person knowing how like they're functioning or feeling in that yeah. moment. And I can... Whenever I interact with you and when I see you interacting with others, I can see that in your interactions. I never thought anyone would notice. Really? It's really, and it says a lot about you as a person, noticing things like that. Mm. That's really cool. Sarah's a great person. (laughs) Spread the word. Spread the word. Spread the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, thank you for that. That's so sweet. Um, I'm wondering what you are curious about in the current moment. Like, what are what is interesting to you these days? Hmm. What am I curious about? When will the pandemic end? Yeah. <laughs> Hot topic. Yeah. I, I guess I think more selfishly these days mm-hmm. because I think everyone's been a bit more withdrawn in their own space whether by lockdown or working from home I think it's made a lot of people think about themselves you know and how they operate in a space because I think work and jobs and careers kind of distract sometimes from what people really want and feel uh so for me I guess I'm curious about, uh, like, I don't, it's hard to articulate. Mm-hmm. Hmm. That's a good question. What am I curious about? You put me on the spot now and I'm panicking. My heart rate's <laughs> oh, going no, up. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Um, no, you brought up a lot of really good points there. Um the one that sticks out to me is the the treadmill that people can kind of find themselves mm. on mm-hmm. where you're continuously working uh, or you're just in this routine that is sort of feeding into itself. And it's sustainable in that you can keep it going, but it's not really getting you anywhere. And mm. you kind of have to, in some cases, you kind of have to prioritize 
different things. And for a lot of people, especially with working from home and like lockdowns and everything, um, a lot of the time the social aspect is what gets kicked off the list of priorities. And I think that's, I think that's um, potentially a dangerous thing mm-hmm. for, for people because people are social creatures by nature. Yeah. I guess now that I've like, I've let the question sort of sink a little, mm-hmm. I guess I'm startled by how I'm not curious about anything right now. I'm just kind of existing. Right. Um, which is okay. Cause I think it's good to recognize yeah. when you're stood still or not progressing. Right. Uh, since the new year, I guess I've really felt a desire for change in my routine because I've just kind of was just going from A to B day to day, like wake up, do a little writing, do a little editing, eat, watch something, go to sleep. So now I'm like, now that the coronavirus is sort of dying down a little bit, fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Toes crossed. Yeah. I'm kind of, I'm at that point where I'm like, if, hot topic, if you're not vaccinated and you want to risk your health, then that's on you. Because yeah. I'm trying. I've I am fully boosted. I wear masks. I social distance when needed. And I'm just gonna go on with my life now. So, I think I'm bringing curiosity back into my life because it's kind of been missing for a while. Yeah. 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 I totally resonate with all of that. It's so easy to be sucked into a routine and things that you have to do and then to like slowly see the curiosity dwindle Mm -hmm. um because I I don't know how it is for you but for me I'm that's a great source of excitement to me and inspiration is when I'm learning about something or Mm -hmm. I'm interested like there's a genuine interest there and if you're not being stimulated by things that are of interest to you or of novelty then it can curiosity as a character trait can start to dwindle I think Mm -hmm. and it sounds like you and I both have kind of reached a point where we recognize that it's not really there or hasn't been there for a while and it's something that we want to work on reincorporating yeah I think that the last I like to think of 2020 was survival. And -hmm. I think the whole world was the same way. Mm -hmm. We kind of collectively as a species just kind of hunkered down and tried to ride it out. Yeah. And then 2021 is kind of like recovery, like recovering from that shock of having our lives just completely stop. You know, we can't go out, we can't socialize. And as human beings, we need that. You know, we need that, that, contact with people um and if you're more of an introvert you know you might not have been as affected but even so like things did change for everyone and it was hard to escape that feeling and then so yeah 2021 last year was kind of like you know kind of dealing with the shock of it like how do i live in this new world and I feel like this what this year is is gonna be more like, okay, I need to like just break through and 
do something because I don't think COVID-19 is going anywhere for a while. And we just have to sort of stay safe, but still don't let it stop us. Right. Yeah. So I feel more positive this Mm. year, even though it's February. I've had all of January. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just now realizing like, oh, I should probably change it up a bit. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, that's so important. The the sentiment of wanting to adapt to constants or like new environments mm-hmm. I think that's that's key and crucial for for growth um so what do you have any ideas of how you would like to kind of reignite that that curious energy in yourself or change things up a bit in your lifestyle I need to move more <laughs> I have this Garmin watch and it calculates how many steps you should do in a day oh okay Based on your activity level? Yeah. I have um, I got introduced to Garmin actually uh, at the, <laughs> when I uh, was at the scuba diving shop last mm. year because they were, they have all their wares yeah. there and they were telling us like one of the things that, have you been scuba diving before? Never. Okay. So one of the pieces of equipment that you need to have is a dive computer, which basically is a watch. Okay. Um, I don't know why they call it a computer, <laughs> um, but essentially what it does is it calculates things like how deep have you gone? How long has your dive been? Um, how much like oxygen you have left? <laughs> yeah, basically <laughs> things like that, just kind of statistical things. Mm-hmm. But anyway, they have, um, they used to be just like kind of like you know, like 1950s, like looking sci-fi mm. just gadgets. But uh, at the dive shop, the ones that that they're advertising are very sleek and like have all these features. And a lot of them are made by Garmin mm. uh, because they are they're trying to cater to all of the outdoor activities. Yeah, I think they started as GPS satellites for planes. Oh, okay. Because my, my father-in-law is really into flight simulators right now. Yeah. So he has a he has this incredible computer set up with VR. Yeah. And he has all the little giz, like the little cranks and flick switches. Oh, and he okay. like goes into a cockpit of a plane and Whoa. like flies it like as if it was a real plane. Oh, that is so neat. So it it's so he put me in <laughs> he put me in the plane <laughs> when I was back. I just went to Colorado. Um, oh, welcome back. I know. <laughs> uh, and I was like, oh Garmin. He's like, yeah, Garmin are the they were like planes blah blah blah. But anyway, I have a Garmin watch. <laughs> Yay! Oh my gosh, Flight so simulators funny. to scuba diving to yes, your question. All the things. Of lifestyle changes. Yeah. I need to walk more uh-huh. because I found myself. What the point I was trying to make is that this watch, it it um, it calculates how many steps you need to make based on your activity. And usually people are like, my one of my friends is like 10,000 plus a day. And mm-hmm. I'm like 2,000. Yeah. Because I'm just so sedentary. Like just, yeah. I sit down all day. So I really need to move more. Right. And then other things I want to change are sharing my work because I'm trying to release a book. I've mm-hmm. written a first draft of a romance novel. How exciting. Plugging myself there. Yes, please whoop, do. Whoop. I'm um, so excited to read it when it's at a place where you would like people to read it. Uh, 
I'm so scared, but I really need to push myself out there. Yeah. I've kind of really withdrawn from the world and social media in the last couple of years. So now that I need to like put something out there, I think I need to engage with the world mm. a bit more and mm -hmm. advertise myself, connect with new people. So it's kind of scary oh, because yeah. I have been living in a bit of a bubble for the last couple of years. And bubbles can be comfortable. They're so comfortable. I got so cozy not walking and having my Garmin watch yell at me to walk and ignoring it and saying, shut up, Garmin. <laughs> no. <laughs> we don't want your sponsorship, Garmin. Please sponsor us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. What about you? What if, What's your, what lifestyle changes do you want to make? All of them. <laughs> All the change. You know, just everything at once, which usually means nothing will happen. I feel like that's how it kind of goes, um, at least for, for me. Um, no, I, I have really been kind of taking a foundational approach to everything, and I just have not been feeling uh, like fulfilled I guess is the is kind of the word that I think best captures the sentiment and so since I graduated I was doing a really I've been doing a good a really good job of creating like going through the the job you know kind of path like trying to make it as traditional as possible in the film industry mm -hmm. you know finding work and keeping work and um making connections and like building that those skills and you know also like learning all of the adults things like how to function in society how to pay rent get an apartment like all that all those fun things and so I just kind of got to a point where I like I did all of those things mm -hmm. and I proved to myself that I could learn those things and I could do those things which is wonderful and some people don't learn those skills until later and some people never learn them so I've I'm commending myself and patting myself on the back for learning all that stuff but now because I know that I can work in those ways I can make money for myself I can function <laughs> to the to the degree that I need to in order to like keep myself afloat essentially I should also be doing things that I enjoy and that I don't get discouraged mm -hmm. by and disinterested in mm. um and so what I'm trying to do this new year is go back to like the super like basics like the essence of what has been traditionally fulfilling to me and mm -hmm. so far I've figured out that that has to do a little bit with creativity so making art, enjoying art, appreciating art in all mediums, being a part of that. Um, companionship, so connecting with people, which is one of the reasons why I wanted to start this podcast as a completely selfish way for me to get to chat with people. Yeah, it's an awesome way. <laughs> I think so, yeah. I think so. Um, has an accountability factor in it too, because yeah. it's something I have to keep doing regularly. So fingers crossed I can keep doing it regularly. Yeah. And then uh, the last one, uh, the last thing that I'm focusing on is curiosity actually. So I'm trying to uh, approach that from several ways, one of which 
is also through the podcast because I can kind of peek into other people's minds and mm. kind of understand, get a little bit better at their understanding. But I'm also uh, learning and uh, just really trying to absorb as much as I can about a lot of people. I guess the most appropriate word from them would be like hobbies or activities. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, I've really been. I've noticed a change already in myself, just Good. my general mood and energy levels actually mm. in just letting myself go to an Aikido class or like mm-hmm. try roller skating out or like going to, I've been going to the gymnastics place that's that's down the road from here on Fridays and, you know, just being in those environments and learning just little bits at a time, but consistently and so those are the things that those are like the essential ideas I think that are fulfilling to me but finding pairing those things with like functioning into society and then also the building a regular schedule and making sure that we're learning all of the things consistently or like making time for friends consistently or making time for my art and appreciating art and all Mm -hmm. of that stuff. Mm -hmm. It's a little bit of a balancing act. So I'm, it's something I'm going to give myself a lot of time. You're always drawn to physical activities, I think. Yeah. Like you have done parkour and didn't you do like the sheet what the sheet things oh i i only did that like literally one day but i really but the fact that you did it aerial silks like you you seem to have done like every little hobby i love it all right is your hope that you'll find like a way to do it for a living like one of these things or hopefully all of them (laughs) (laughs) i yeah and that's the thing too like i don't I've never like wanted a traditional job, like one job for the rest of eternity. Yeah, same. So that's appealing to me about the film or any creative industry because it's all project based. So Mm -hmm. you can literally like hop into a role and you never have to do that again. Um, But what's also appealing to me about it is that there are ways that you can pair your interests and your hobbies and your training uh to jobs in entertainment Mm -hmm. most of them are performance related um so I've kind of been like on that path of trying to see how many of the lifestyle things that I do really enjoy how many of those can I pair with things that do give me a sense a a source of income yeah um but I also I don't know I'm trying to to find to find what feels good first yeah which is good and that good yes yeah and then look for the connection opportunities mm-hmm. once I've got that foundation do you think you'll leave the film industry if I leave, I think it would always be something I would come back to. Right. So because it is project-based, yeah, I think that it would be super easy for me to just hop back into a project if it's 
if it's something that resonates with me mm-hmm. in the moment. Do you feel that way also about your projects that you take on? I know that you've shifted a lot from editorial into um, into this wonderful writing that you're doing. Uh, yeah, I feel it's the way you say it is way more eloquent than I could ever say it, but you found a way to make money and survive. Yeah. And that to me is my job as a editor, mm-hmm. video editor. Mm-hmm. But I am trying to shift into more of a, more of like a solo business that I don't have to rely on anyone for the work itself. Yeah. Because I, I like editing because I'm good at it and it's a job that I don't have to deal with too many people. Right. right. <laughs> I just kind of do my thing and then take on feedback and put that in there. But writing is all about me and my mind and my creativity and my ideas. And that's what I love about it. And that's why I'm trying to shift over to that. But if it doesn't work out, if I can't function as an adult on that, then I I will probably go back to the the editing stuff. Mm-hmm. But I am trying to balance them both because I can't just ignore, uh, you know, being an adult. As much as I want to ignore being an adult. It's the worst. Yeah. I don't. <laughs> Sarah's this funny thing about being an adult. <laughs> And like having, I, we had a joke about, I said that you can make your own Starbucks chai if you just get a milk steamer. She's like, I don't want a milk. So I was like, why not? Because it's a thing that I have to own. Like, it it's is. so adult. I'm like, it's just, a, it's just a piece of kitchen equipment. It's like, no, I don't want it. <laughs> I have these like irrational points of contention with these purchases that I don't that are not fun purchases for me to make you might be proud of me though I did not get a milk steamer okay but well I didn't even buy this for myself but I have it Mm -hmm. (laughs) so I um I did buy myself a little Pyrex cup so I can heat you know heat milk up without it getting burned so that's good okay so I have that. That's not the thing you should be proud of me about. <laughs> the thing is, you have a microwave, is what you're saying? I do have a microwave. Oh, I also have a milk frother. Oh, is it the one that spins? Yeah, it's my little whoosher. Yay, the little whoosher. <laughs> yeah, but I, as I was telling you that, I realized that I didn't buy that for myself. So. <laughs> and how did you feel when you opened it? Were you like, oh no, I'm an adult? Oh no, oh, I was excited. I was elated. Oh good. Because the thing is, I like all of these things. I like to have all of these things. I just have this, like, I just cannot go buy these things for myself if I can use that money to go zip lining. Right. <laughs> so like I'm for my birthday last year or for Christmas, whenever it was appropriate for to get me a gift, I was I just told my family to get me a vacuum cleaner. <laughs> And they did. And I, so now I can vacuum. I really want a trash can. <laughs> yeah. Like a nice one. This yeah. is like the most adult thing I've ever wanted. But yeah. I've had so many trash cans that they either squeak or they don't work. Like the pedal doesn't work. Right. And I found this trash can that's like stainless steel. Ooh. It's got like a silent lid thing. That's and it's nice. But it's $140. Now, see, that's kind of silly for literally and throwing I, garbage. I can't bring myself around to buying it until yeah. like absolutely necessary. But I might yeah. ask 
someone like around my birthday like can you buy me a trash can yeah because <laughs> i just can't no i completely empathize like it's so silly that- why is it that much money and everyone who reviews it is always saying like i can't believe i just spent this much money on a trash can but i love it i'm oh like oh my gosh oh, i want it <laughs> i wish that there was a love a way to measure like how much something could like that could improve your quality of life i hate my trash can it yeah. squeaks real loud. <laughs> Every time you press the pedal and it goes, <laughs> it sounds like an animal dying. Oh my God. And we use it all the time. It's our kitchen trash can. Yeah. God, I'm, I can't believe I'm considering spending over $100 on a trash can. Well, but I'm, I might have to. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, no, I feel the same way. My trash can is uh, horrendous. I hate, it's like tucked away in my pantry and I have the door closed so I don't have to look at it. <laughs> like it's disgusting. Yeah. And it's not even, it's not even like metal or aluminum or anything. It's just one of those like plastic. Yeah, mine's just ones. a black plastic yeah. monstrosity. Yeah. Oh no. <laughs> horrendous. <laughs> disgusting. Um. Yeah. But it's funny how little things like that can really shape or, or add quality to make you feel life. like an adult that you mm. want i mean my my mom used to drag me around ikea yeah and i would hate it i'd hate it yeah absolutely hate it I'm like why are we looking at stuff we don't need right but now if you took me to ikea i'd be like oh my god i need this i need that i need this i need that <laughs> yeah and so why do you think you've become attracted to those things is it are are you consciously thinking oh this would be a good thing to swap out or this just makes me happy or what what draws that attraction I've come to accept that I am a homebody through and through I love being at home and it's kind of like it's sometimes it feels like a prison but other times it feels like a sanctuary Mm. depending on like what kind of day I'm having. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um, but I love nesting. I love decorating. I love um, feeling comfortable in my own space. I love things being tidy. Um, yeah, I, I just think my personal space, like I just want it to, to it doesn't have to look super fancy, uh, but it has to kind of express who I am as a person. Mm-hmm. So I bought a lot of artwork over the years. It's kind of just like plastered. Like I've just started in one corner and started hanging prints on the wall, nice. just spreading it out like a collage. Um, because I, you know, I think a lot of people might buy like one portrait and put it in the middle of the wall. And then that's right. that. But I'm like, I want the whole wall to have like weird and wonderful art yeah artwork on so yeah I think a lot of the stuff that I want for my home is is more artistic and more quirky Mm -hmm. we have a framed print in our bathroom of a raccoon holding up some toilet paper and it says (laughs) your butt napkins my lady (laughs) that's right across from the toilet Wow. Right above our toilet paper, like Aww. holder. It's just like stuff like that. It just makes me smile. Like, yeah. But then there are the bigger things like 
once you start like taking pride in your home and like decorating it you do start to find yourself like maybe i want a new couch or Mm. maybe i want a a better trash can Mm -hmm. (laughs) someone Mm -hmm. send me a trash can (laughs) yeah (laughs) the stainless steel ones with the silent lids this is a cry for help to please somebody get a trash can (laughs) From it's called Simple Human. They're stupidly expensive. <laughs> Man, well, no, I think that's really important. Like being enjoying the space that you spend time in, mm-hmm. especially if you're uh, somebody like yourself who is a through a, a homebody through and through. Oh yeah, uh, I think it's important to make sure that the space that you're in is inviting and comfortable and you know, you enjoy being there. And also potentially for you, since you do a lot with uh, with creative writing and also with editing, you do a lot of creative things um, and are a very naturally creative and artistic person to have it be a source where inspiration is possible. Mm-hmm. And I found that that, at least for me, inspiration is very environmentally dependent oh yeah for sure and I I do love my home and my apartment space but I do also like going out and working out of a coffee shop like a stereotypical writer yeah Uh, but I think the reason why writers go to coffee shops I think is just it's just a you are affected by your environment you know and you are and just being somewhere new can like stir up creativity can make you feel more accountable like I'm sat here in a coffee shop I better look like I'm working right like I can't be on reddit because <laughs> I could do that anywhere yeah 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 <laughs> but also people watching like being out and about and seeing people can it, sometimes it's distracting but sometimes it's like what's that person all about mm-hmm. maybe mm-hmm. I can incorporate this into my work you know mm, right so taking from the environment and feeding it into your yeah your creativity I mean in an ideal world I'd probably work out of the house like one day a week mm-hmm. and then the other th- I firmly believe in the four-day work week absolutely I so, so I here for it. I try and work four days a week because I'm a yeah. freelancer and I can do that so um so yeah I'd work one day out and then three days in Mm -hmm. so I like those three days that I'm home I like everything to look nice yeah Yeah. I like my trash cans not to squeak right squeaky trash cans are the epitome of disaster and then one day a week I just like escape release yeah get out into the world right 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 no that's I think that's so wonderful that you have realized that works for yourself that you need that you get energy and are creative and inspired and you know diligent when you're at home like in the space that you're comfortable in but that sometimes it's good to go out and to you know kind of attract energy or um observe people or just have a nice change of environment to you know change things up a little bit Mm -hmm. uh you know just like incremental regular small doses of novelty and excitement Mm -hmm. I think even if it's like excitement doesn't have to be you know skydiving 
For you, it is, but... For me, you know that it is. For, like, non-adrenaline junkies myself, <laughs> just like to drink tea in the morning. Well, that's so nice, though. Like, having some, these, like, small joys, I think, are so important. And they're often, like we were mentioning before, I think there's something that get just overlooked mm. all the time when people are forced to be in a rush to go, to go, go, go. Mm-hmm. But if you lead a lifestyle like the one that you're leading or the one that I'm leading, we are lucky and fortunate to carve out these little moments of joy for ourselves, mm-hmm. I think. Have you ever heard of human design readings? No. It's just, I had, so <laughs> early in the pandemic, one of my friends put on Instagram, like, oh, my friend does tarot readings. Okay. And I thought, oh, why not? I kind of like... That's fun. I kind of like the kind of more spiritual stuff. Sure, sure, sure. They're entertaining. Yeah. So I contacted this person and she did a tarot reading and a human design reading. Okay. Which was the one that was more interesting than the tarot. Mm-hmm. But it's... you You hand over, like where you were born and what time you were born. And I'm just imagining somebody with all these papers. Yeah, like, like, give me your information. (laughs) But you tell, okay, you tell them. I got it. (laughs) So you say where you were born and what time, and then there's this, like, little doodad on the the internets that creates this human design chart. Okay. And it's like an outline of a human body, and it's got all these numbers on it. And apparently it's something to do with, like, where the stars and the planets were oh. on that exact moment that you were born into the world. Yeah. It it kind of designs you. Oh, wow. So, That's fun. Like a 3D printer type thing. Exactly. Got it. But, Celestial 3D printing. Yeah, it's so intense, like astrology. But it was really interesting because she just, I was just like, okay, yeah, I was born in Wales at 11 whatever am. I asked my parents, like, what time was I born exactly? And they somehow remembered um so then she started going through like all these numbers and stuff and telling me like this is how you work and I was like how do you know that like it was was accurate it was spookily accurate oh my goodness and one of the things she said that stuck with me was um I don't create my own energy like I need other people to like ignite energy in me so when I'm with people, I kind of come to life. Uh-huh. But then once that, it burns very quickly. And mm-hmm. then once it's over, I need to like retreat into my space and like recover. Yes. And then when I'm ready again, I come out and then get the energy from other people. Yeah. And then retreat. So she said like, fine, it's important for you to to hibernate essentially. I was like, oh my God, I used to think I was a freak that didn't like people because every time I'm around people like I love it but then as soon as I get home I'm like blanket on couch potato like I just feel really drained and yeah it was just really weird having like some spooky astrology chart basically tell me like what I already know but you know when it's a complete stranger oh yeah like all I handed over were my was my birth certificate I'm kidding <laughs> so I handed over all my life and all my information yeah, yeah, yeah. I just gave her like the time I was born and where I was born wow. and the day and so she, no like a history about you no like, no summation nothing just like statistics just yeah wow and um but there was a there was a couple other things but I got 
interested in that, like doing it for my friends. Oh yeah. So I'd be interested in knowing when you were born oh, and yeah. where you were born and I'll do it. Okay. But yeah, it just comes out as all these numbers and like lines connecting. Like it is a diagram of a human body and uh-huh. it, like your brain connects down to your spleen and it's like not it's the really spleen. <laughs> not the spleen <laughs> but uh yeah it was really interesting like some of it there was a few things that might not been as accurate but the ones that were accurate was like oh that's too specific and it's the specificity yeah that really gets you on things like that like when like a lot of the times i've heard with uh things like tarot readings and like fortune tell like all of that sort of thing um, especially if it's in person, like if it's a one-on-one type thing, usually the people doing those readings are very like emotionally or socially intuitive and they've had a lot of experience. Like, Oh yeah. They read you. And, mm-hmm. Yeah. And also they like in newspaper, like horoscopes and things like that, just very broad blanket statements oh, yeah. that would appeal to most people. But with something like that, when all they have to go off of is like statistical information Mm -hmm. then that that to me is more intriguing yeah and even if even if it is all just like whimsy and like shenanigans it's at least entertaining and has some depth to it and it was helpful too because she said another part of my human design was I have to learn by doing something so you could tell so you could tell me like oh, when you go roller skating, make sure you like do this, this, this. And I'd be like, whatever. I have to make the mistake to yeah. learn it. Wow. Which is pretty accurate. Like, Is it? I was trying to, when I moved to America, uh, I learned how to drive a manual car. Uh-huh. And my husband, Chris, taught me, which was a bad idea, but that's how it went. Nonetheless. <laughs> and he kept telling me like, you need to, downshift when you go when you slow down and go around a corner mm-hmm. and I it just even though it made sense it only took me slowing down and trying to take a corner in fourth gear and anyone who drives manual will know how big of a mistake that is that was when I learned because the car just shuddered violently it was oh, like ah, what are you doing yeah. like, and I was like oh okay now I get it because I've experienced it right so that was part of the the human design that was kind of creepy too that she was like yeah you're everyone can tell you the mistakes you're gonna make but unless you do them Whoa. like you won't you won't like learn which you know so understands that trial and error is really important to you and that also she said something like the first 30 years of your life are kind of like this big trial and error <laughs> which is kind of really? true she put did you say 30 years yeah wow so she put a like a time yeah she's like usually people with this thing i don't know exactly like number um <laughs> right. so the first 30 years might feel like you're all over the place and you're yeah. learning about yourself because you're you're learning by failing. So you might feel like the first 30 years are a waste. Mm-hmm. But then when you get to like 30 to 50, again, she put another age range, she's like, you'll kind of metaphorically like retreat to a rooftop. Whoa. So you'll experience all the craziness on the ground and then climb up to the rooftop and sort of just like chill and feel more 
more yourself than ever before and you'll start to really grow and develop and become the person you're supposed to be essentially Mm -hmm. and then at 50 beyond I'll become a mentor so I'll teach other people what your wisdom my wisdom yeah so I don't know like I'm not 50 but we'll see but it does it did make me feel better even though it might have been bullshit it made me feel like just that little hey the first 30 years of your life don't have to be perfect like you you like your human design tells me you were never going to figure it out right even though like it's just telling me what I want to hear at the same time it was kind of freeing like yeah like I did make a lot of mistakes in the first 30 years of my life but now that I'm 30 early 30s I'm like I am kind of feeling more myself than ever before and feeling a lot more chill and content with what I have and working on my mental health and all that sort of stuff so yeah it was really interesting and it's not insignificant either to want that comfort yeah for it's, sure you people need to be comforted sometimes yeah it's like when when you listen to music when you're going through a hard time and the lyrics speak to you yeah as if you wrote them yeah. it's the same feeling like it's just like someone understands Right. And maybe it's the the stars themselves (laughs) that understand me. But I did this, I also did this course. It was uh, an online course, uh, witchcraft in the Middle Ages. Oh, interesting. So it was like the, it was about like what people believe to be witchcraft, how witches were persecuted. Yeah. They also did like a little section on um, Middle Eastern like witchcraft. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it was kind of like numerology, like numbers and words had magic in them. Hmm. So I think the human design stuff is just like an offshoot of that, like star charts, numbers, like. Yeah, just kind of a blend of all of these ancient arts. Um, I've heard, this is really kind of going off the rails, that... um, so there have been many, several like Renaissance periods mm-hmm. in history, like human history. And I've heard that uh, usually each of these Renaissance periods have come from uh, a time of, out of a time of despair, like following that. And Ooh. so I've heard that we are currently in a time of despair. Really? I think so. I think so. Um, that's what they're saying. What, what's going on right now? You know, I don't really know. I kind of just—I'm just kind of doing my own thing with my roller skates. And, and why, like, why is everyone wearing a mask? I don't know. I think they're kind of fun. Like I—I I got the wrong memo. I got a um, a an opera mask instead of a <laughs> N95 or whatever. But um, anyway, I've heard that. I've heard it theorized that after this point of despair, we're going to come into a new renaissance and this renaissance will be like noted or celebrated or defined by witchcraft and, uh, and you know, all of these more spiritual. Really? Yeah. 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 Interesting. And it's interesting to like, just like, play with that idea for a little bit because I can see it like happening as a result of the like the internet and people have access to all these different uh you know 
like histories and cultures and all of that sort of thing and then also it seems it also seems to be kind of trendy mm-hmm. these days mm-hmm. to like lean into things like tarot and mm-hmm. all of all of those things and then of course like renaissance festivals although there's not too many of those going on right now i would imagine um but things like that where like witchcraft and more spiritual stuff is celebrated and kind of illuminated instead of like scoffed at yeah Uh, that's cool kind of like fun and whimsy yeah i i did read a book on the history of tarot oh did you yeah because i thought oh i want to get into tarot cards like it'd be fun like a little pie trick to do right so i got my first deck and then i did a reading and decided that there was too much stuff to memorize (laughs) it looks like a lot you have to like memorize 70 something cards yeah that's a lot of effort (laughs) And I was just like, oh, I really like the sim, like the symbolism of each card, and mm-hmm. the artwork is beautiful mm-hmm. with the deck that I got. And but I just thought oh, it's too much effort. Like, yeah, I like the history and I like the artwork, but I can't. That my curiosity just ended there. Right, <laughs> like, right, right. Just it's like, oh, I can do a reading, and I have to look this up. I have to look that up. How do people remember this? Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. Crazy. Well, that's an interesting point, though, that you kind of reach kind of learning levels with different subjects. And mm. I think it's very subjective to, mm-hmm. to each person and defined by their their interests. When do is there a pattern to when your knowledge or curiosity is satiated by something or is have you noticed a pattern or is it kind of just dependent on the thing itself? My pattern is getting obsessed with something, learning about it quite intensely and then practicing it for a hot second and then that's it. It's over. Because Some stuff sticks, but tarot won't stick. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> it's just too much. It, no, it sounds like a lot. <laughs> and I don't really believe in the divina- divination, divination of it. Yeah. The, the magic behind it. Right. I don't really believe it. So yeah. I, I feel like I'm the wrong person to learn tarot because mm. I'm not really like I'm kind of sort of spiritual. Like I like the idea of spirituality, but I can't turn that path, that part of my brain off. It's like they're just cards. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. and I can't, I don't really want to like read intentions in cards. Yeah. If that makes sense. But I feel they're really pretty. So they're super pretty. So yeah, I got a book. So this is a perfect example of how I do things. It's like, oh, tarot, cool. I like this. I got a reading. It was fun. Buy a book on the history of tarot. Read it all cover to cover. Buy myself a tarot deck. Read it, like open it up and try and do a reading once. Realize it's too difficult and then stop. <laughs> and never touch it again. And never touch it again. Uh, sometimes... Sometimes I do go back to things like that. Um, I got into painting miniatures. Did you really? Yeah. Wow. Um, I got a... I really like the video game Bloodborne. I don't know if you knew that about me. I think you've mentioned it, but I am not a Bloodborne uh, fan and I don't really know too much about it. Yeah. It's this gothic horror video game. Okay. Uh, so it's my jam. And I bought the board game, which was a lot of money. And it came with a lot of miniatures. Oh, wow. And I learned how to paint them. So you got to like 
get this little knife and like smooth the, the minis out. Whoa. Then you gotta prime them. Oh, so they came like blank. Yes. Wow. Then you gotta prime them and then you gotta get your paint, your acrylic paints. And I learned how to make a wet palette and got all the paint brushes. Yeah. Started painting them and I'll paint them. I'll paint like 10 over the course of like 10 days, like one a day. And then yeah. I'll just stop for like six months. Yeah. I'm very like, woo, like a roller coaster. Right, right, right. I'm really either, I'm either really into something or I'm just like done with it. Yeah. And sometimes I've come back. Mm-hmm. Like painting, I've come back because it's just a, such a relaxing thing to do. Yeah. It's like a coloring book. Right. Like right, it's right. like, here I have this little, this figure of a horrific bug demon mm-hmm. <laughs> i'm just gonna paint it blue yay, yay. I'm gonna give it bleedy pussy postules Ooh, yay <laughs> and then like then like i'll do five of them and then i'll be like okay i'm done yeah what's the next thing we've done that project yeah we're moving on we've but i really i really admire people who have hobbies that they just do constantly yeah. and they get really good at them and i just can't find myself sticking with something for like years mm-hmm. at a time mm-hmm. so would you say that it sounds like at least for your um hobbies or interests in that way that there does need to sort of be an intention there yeah yeah i've got to i got to feel some sort of connection to it okay because with the the Bloodborne minis, like I love the, the the video game, so it's like, oh, that's cool. I want to own all these minis, and it'll be fun to paint them. Um, and then I used to play piano when I was younger, mm-hmm. and that's because I wanted to be like Amy Lee from Evanescence. Oh wow! So I played piano for like five years, I'd say, mm-hmm. and only played like Evanescence songs. <laughs> And I mean, we have a niche and we stick to it. Yeah. And also songs from Final Fantasy games. Oh, excellent piano score. Sephiroth, as you said once. <laughs> Love Sephiroth. Sephiroth. Stan. I asked Sarah, like, oh, do you know Final Fantasy games? She's like, oh, Sephiroth, you know. Classic Sephi. <laughs> so yeah, I, I would even though playing the piano, like you need to learn the basics, you need to learn these songs. I'd be like, no, I just want to go straight to playing my mall, please. And that's right. what I did. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I have to be connected. Yeah. I will skip steps to get to the part that I'm interested in. Yeah. For better or for worse. For better or for worse. Well, do you think it's for better or for worse? Uh, personally, I don't care. Okay. Like... I was not the most skilled piano player. Mm-hmm. My my finger work was probably all wrong, like the way that I played. Like I didn't do scales, for example. I didn't know how to do a, I still don't know how to do scales, mm-hmm. but I can play the Final Fantasy VIII love song theme. Ooh, <laughs> and that's a fun party trick. Yes. So <laughs> yeah, I think for me, it gives me enjoyment, but mm-hmm. On a kind of broader sense, it's probably not a great thing. Mm. Like if I really want to take it seriously, Mm -hmm. I should probably slow down Mm -hmm. and, you know, learn the basics. But who's got time for that? (laughs) Who's got, ain't nobody got time for that. What is one of your hobbies that you've stuck with the longest? Um, that's a really good question because I suffer from the same (laughs) attention, uh, 
like complex, I guess, or pattern. Yeah. Where I love all of the things not literally all like there are some activities that I have no interest in doing like hunting any of that I'm not really not for me I appreciate it but it's not really something that I could see myself doing and there's a lot of stuff like that but of the things that I'm interested in all of the kind of artistic physical hobbies um I want to do all of them or at least try them but if you do all of them at the same time you can't really perfect yeah 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 or at least or even like devote time to each of them to work on those skills so really the only thing that started out as a hobby that I've kept up with consistently for a long time has been editing Mm. because I started doing that just for like school projects and things in um, I did an editing project in middle school, but in high school is when I really started with it. And it was just casual mm-hmm. stuff. It wasn't like I was making anything like grand or important, but I learned those skills there and I taught myself how I liked to edit and kind of created that. And then since then I've been like cultivating that and learning more. And it's something that has continuously been interesting to me and I appreciate it. And I love that it's, uh, it, you, you're puzzle solving mm-hmm. when you are editing as an editor because you're using your more logical, like left brain. And then also for all the technical stuff, like making sure that the media is in there and that, you know, nothing's wrong. All mm-hmm. the files are not red <laughs> the red screen the red screen <laughs> meter offline no red screen of death um and so you have to have like this assortment of technical knowledge but then inevitably it's a creative art and medium so i like that you can play with the two and i think that's what's made it sustainable mm-hmm. for me the whole time also it helps that it can be or variations of uh, video editing or film editing can be a source of income yes so that is also incentivizing mm-hmm. um but yeah like I mentioned before I kind of hit a point with it where I've satiated that knowledge in myself there's still tons for me to learn in it and kind of the more you learn about something the more there is to learn about something mm-hmm. uh but for now I've satiated that knowledge because I've like learned about all these different facets and sub departments of post-production and that's I also learned that there are different career paths that you can traverse down in order to become a just only creative editor and I went down one path and I was like no it's I appreciate it not for me and so now I'm kind of circling back to find the the editing and the post-production that really resonates Mm. with me. Mm -hmm. And so I think all of those things taken into account has let me keep editing and post-production as a fun thing for Mm -hmm. me Mm -hmm. and a little bit of a sacred thing too. Mm. And not, uh, not as a burden because that I think for me at least is when I start to get discouraged when things become a burden or you're not, or I'm not doing them for not necessarily in 
enjoyment, but for growth or for satisfaction. Mm. Like I did all of these other activities, like a whole strew of things that I enjoyed. But as soon as they started becoming not work, not a chore, because I like working hard, I like putting effort into things. But as soon as they became, as soon as the effort was not being put into me as much effort as I was like the effort wasn't reciprocated basically Mm -hmm. or when the intention of the activity became like not about learning and growth and things that I'm naturally attracted to then I kind of remove myself from them so I did that with uh with pole vaulting in high school you were a pole vaulter? I did. <laughs> I didn't know this about you. <laughs> but again, I mean, it's it's not something that I advertise necessarily because I I have this thing where I don't want really like to advertise things because I've done all these things mm. on paper and, and in there, like I did them, <laughs> but I wasn't like good at them and people... Uh, recognize or I think a lot of people are trained to like just recognize accolades and skills instead of the effort and intention behind the activity but with pole vaulting I really enjoyed it and I loved it a lot but I got discouraged and frustrated with doing it because we only had one pole vaulting set up at my high school. And in the winter, when I started the winter season, it was great because there weren't very many pole vaulters. It was just like a couple guys and then me. So we we all got like ample opportunity to go down and like try it out and, you know, to train and we could get plenty of jumps in each practice every day. But in the springtime, what happened was they, the rest of the, the track team would be, you know, like running sprints around the the track every day or the long distance people would be out like running hundreds of miles, <laughs> you know, yeah. um, and they would see the field event people like pole vaulters, shot put, discus, all, all those things um, kind of standing around. Mm-hmm. And that was attractive to them because they they're tired, you know, they're running the whole time. And so a lot of the track people, like the sprinters, came over to pole vaulting, not because they wanted to pole vault or because they were interested in it, because they thought that it was easier than just standing around. So I got really frustrated that the intentions weren't aligned and I wanted to get better at it myself, but I kind of hit a wall where I wasn't getting better at it and I wasn't getting ample opportunity to Mm. practice Mm -hmm. like effectively and efficiently and we also didn't have a specific pole vaulting coach too it was the senior uh like teaching us so yeah it was it wasn't the best but all of that's to say I love all of the activities that I do and I really want to do all of them and learn all of the things to learn about them and to because that's what inspires me to keep doing them Mm -hmm. Um, because learning is is super fun for me and fulfilling but 
I have a hard time when I get into environments like that where I don't feel like my desire for growth and for learning is like being appreciated. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. And I think that a lot of places, like you said, they value accolades. Yeah. It's like any martial art, there's like belts, colors, you know, different levels that you have to get through. Yeah. And it can be frustrating when you're being overlooked for new students, like new memberships. Because I know, because Chris, my husband, he did, he still does well. Not in the last couple of years because of coronavirus, but he did Muay Thai. Right. And he went to a gym in Colorado and we lived there and they had this system of like, if you wore a white shirt or a green shirt, you were a beginner. If you wore a white shirt, you were an intermediate. If you wore a black shirt, you were an expert kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And he he said he remembered seeing um, a woman like talking to her trainer after class, like, I think I'm really ready for like a white shirt like I think I've been I've been here for a while and he was like oh like well well I'll think about it kind of thing it's like that kind of you know like people can like lord it over you like you're not ready for the next step you know and I can see it being frustrating like Mm -hmm. and a lot of these physical activities have that because maybe it's a money-making thing maybe it's more of a like exclusive club type vibe but I think it is difficult to find places that are truly like there for the people to enjoy and to grow and not mm-hmm. just memberships and yes. money and I mean obviously you got to think of the income and all that stuff so it's a really hard balance because oh, renting out a space for a martial arts place or any sort of physical activity place is obscenely expensive So you do have to sort of sacrifice the intention behind the activity a bit to get new people, Mm -hmm. but sometimes it takes a piss. (laughs) (laughs) And I can see that being frustrating for you. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's not just frustrating. It's, it's, at least for me, it's, it's discouraging. Yeah. And it's, um, because that's all, that's all I want to do. I just want to learn, like I'm just here to learn and participate and get better, but Um, so many of the physical activities that I did mostly as a kid. um, Yeah, I just love all of them. And then you get to kind of a point where they're like, oh, she's not really at this level. So we don't need to invest in her anymore. Yeah, I used to do, I just thought back to, I used to do horse riding. Did you really? As a kid, I loved the idea of riding a horse and galloping and through the fields. Your hair and you're dressed in the wind. I know. Your sword. (laughs) (laughs) My knight. (laughs) My armor. (laughs) A little joust, maybe. Yes. (laughs) But uh, yeah, I did horse riding for about six months, I'd say. It wasn't very long, but I loved it the first few times, but then every single time they just have me get on a horse and just go in a circle, like ride it. For six months? Yeah. Like just, it was a group class. It wasn't like a one-on-one thing, but they, they would just make you go in a circle and then they'd make you trot. And I just felt like, you know, when am I going to get to like the next stuff? Like, what am I doing wrong? Even though I was a kid and I just got really bored. Like I was too young to really articulate it but 
now I know it's like I was just bored. Like mm-hmm. they were keeping me at this basic level, maybe because I was a kid and, you know, quiet or anything, but they didn't really seem to care about teaching. Mm-hmm. They were just like, we're just going to have you ride in the circle and then trot and like lift up when you trot. And I yeah. felt like I was getting it. But Right. Yeah. And then you're sitting there on your horse for six months and you're like, okay, I'm I'm aware of all the things that I yeah. need to be doing. When can I get to, you know, a canter or, you know, yeah. gallop, you know, I don't know. Maybe there's some horse training people out there who are like, well, actually, but to me, I was just bored, right. you know, and I, and I wasn't being, there wasn't enough communication being given to me, even though I was a kid. Um, but I think that's one of the, the worst things you can do is see a kid and not take them seriously, mm. like in, in that kind of environment, mm-hmm. you know, because I was just, even though I was probably like seven or eight, like I was there to like, to learn and really get into it because I loved it. Mm-hmm. But I think that they didn't take me seriously because I didn't speak up or, you know, I don't know. But it would have been nice. Maybe I would have been a horse rider. <laughs> wow, wow. No, I, that's so sad for me to hear, actually, because it's sad for it's sad for me to hear because I empathize completely with it, even though I haven't, uh, I haven't done any equestrian myself. I, I empathize with the, the feeling of, um, a bit of neglect and, um, not, you know, just not getting to progress in a, in something that you would very much have liked to progress in. But also it's sad for me to hear just from, um, like a grander, like zoomed out perspective because, I think a lot of people need to be challenged in order to be inspired to be curious. Yeah. And recognized. And recognized. Yeah. Yeah. If you're just another body in a building to a teacher, then. Yeah. Right. For someone like me and you, you and I, (laughs) I'm a writer. Uh, it's yeah it's very discouraging yeah and it kind of ends that curiosity in that that hobby mm-hmm. you know because you're like well what's the point mm-hmm. I'm bored you know mm-hmm. you need to keep me curious yeah it's your job keep yeah. me curious <laughs> well it is yeah it is it for sure is um and you know I think a lot of people who are in honestly a lot of people in any job are just kind of on autopilot because they're just trying to get the work done and they don't really, they're not in a place of fulfillment. I used to think that when I would see an advertisement or a commercial or something for like McDonald's or something like that, you know, they're obviously like very flashy and they want you to come to McDonald's or whatever company um but you know like all of the the programming is just smiling faces and people like happy to be there and so as a child you know you kind of or at least I kind of got the idea that anybody who was out in a particular job is there because they want to be in that job Mm. and that is just so uh, depressingly so not the case yeah 
Yeah. Yeah. It's so sad. And so, and I've also come to appreciate the the sentiment of, I just work here. Mm. I never understood why so many people had that kind of dismissive attitude. Um, but, you know, just realizing that or coming to terms with, you know, people are just trying to to make ends meet and they have other priorities. And they're most of the times, especially with big franchises, they're dealing with like corporate environments and there's not really much say that they as an individual have uh, on a particular matter or interaction and that they don't care because they don't need to care. Um, it just, it makes sense and I understand it logically, but it's also really disheartening for instances like these where like we were children and we just wanted to learn mm. and you know the people who we were trying to learn from didn't really care or yeah. they just weren't mm. able to they weren't able to care maybe I think we're all especially where I'm from you're kind of trained from it at extremely young age to just accept the work life you know you go to school from nine to three or however whatever time it is to replicate that the work sounds day like a great schedule we were there from <laughs> like eight to three thirty some days oh yeah we were like nine to three <laughs> wow um but even so like that they're, they're training you for the the workforce right mm -hmm. and when you're at school you don't get to choose what you learn mm -mm. you're just told like you have to learn these things mm -hmm. i don't remember most of the things I learned in science and maths, these key core subjects, I've forgotten most of it. Yeah. Now. Like, it's gone. But they tell you how important it is at the time and that you have to be good at all of these things. But then if you're not interested in it and you're not passionate about it, then it just disappears mm -hmm. as you get older. And I feel like, you know, when you get to high school and when you graduate high school and you go to university um at least in the uk you know um you you're kind of like shoehorned into this life like you need to know what you want in life right now at 18 years old like what do you want to do for like as a career it's like film <laughs> like and i was I lucky i was lucky that i ended up on a path, you know, that kind of took me to where I am today. You know, I was always interested in the arts. So I went into like film kind of encapsulated everything I liked about art, like mm -hmm. cinematography, sound, music, um, acting, directing. And then eventually I realized that I came to love editing the most out of all of it. And that kind of sent me on my path to where I am today. But most people I know, like whatever they did at university, you know, what choice they had to make when they were so young, like they're not doing anything to do with it now. Like, you know, and it's, I think it's so sad that we don't, as a society, we just put so much pressure on young people to know what they want to do when they're adults and how they want to make money. Because I think that does bring about a lot of, you know, 
apathy and, you know, people just going, going through the motions to make money. And where I grew up in Preston in England, it's a very working class city. So the, the idea of going into the arts was like, what? Like, what's your plan B? I got that a lot. Oh, really? It's like, I want to be a film director. It's like, well, what's your plan B? Mm. It was never good for you. Like, go for it. It mm-hmm. was, what's, what's your backup plan? Right. Because they always expect you to fail. Mm-hmm. And it, it's, and they always want you to have a, a nine to five, like plan B to fall back on. And it's just really discouraging. And I can imagine a lot of people, <laughs> I'll never forget going into a bank to get a student loan to go to university to do film. And the guy was like, oh, I did film and media studies at university. I was like, <clears throat> like oh, man. oh, I was like, fuck. Oh, and now no. you're, now you work at a bank. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, oh my gosh. It was just like, shit, I hope yeah. I don't. Like, obviously working at a bank is a great job, like very secure. But yeah. for me, like that just was the opposite of what I wanted. But yeah, I think it's just really sad that children and young people aren't given the freedom to explore what makes them tick, what makes them curious, you know? Mm-hmm. It's just like, you need to find a job. You need to find something that you can do five days a week from nine to five that will get you money. Mm-hmm. Then you need a house and then you need a, a partner and then you need kids and then you need a car and blah, 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 blah. You know, it's very like, I feels like our lives are on train tracks and I just desperately got off that train track as soon as I possibly could. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people are on it still. Mm-hmm. And I think those are the people we've encountered and you see a lot who just go through life just living for the weekend and they don't feel anything, any fulfillment from their jobs because they're still on the train tracks that were laid out before them from birth, it seems like. I got chills when you said living for the weekend because that's my worst nightmare yeah (laughs) like I you and I have both worked in corporate sort of environments Mm -hmm. and worked in you know traditional hours and kind of like at a city and I really appreciate the stability and peace of mind that that lifestyle can bring to somebody but in every time I've worked in a corporate environment, no matter how much I've loved the people or what I was doing, um, that having that regular systematic schedule of, of you know, routine and monotony is, is just so depressing to me. Yeah. <laughs> and really, it really, um, I can do it for a set amount of time, but if it's something that is just everlasting and has no end date, then I get really sad in Mm. that role and I always catch myself like really looking forward to the weekend because that's that's what you do you work 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 uh Monday oh it's Tuesday get you you know you go through all those motions and then Thursday's oh one more day till Friday and then oh Friday (laughs) (laughs) casual Fridays Fridays, all the things to celebrate which I'm not making fun of you need to celebrate those little things, anything to make you to like inspire that that happiness. But I just I just working in those environments, I already knew this about myself, but it just really solidified the fact that I don't want to spend my life like waiting for Fridays. No. You know, yeah. it's so sad. And I I saw my parents do it. I'm seeing my sister do it. Like 
a lot of people in my life, you know, most people, most people you know, say. and it, it's just, yeah, it's sad. But also, I know why. Oh, yeah. You know? Completely valid. Yeah. Completely valid. And it, it's very, the thing is with freelancing, it's so wonderful and freeing and you can be truly independent, but also you don't know where your next paycheck's coming from. Mm-hmm. So the people who you sort of might look at and be like, oh, I don't know how you work at nine to five, they also have a lot of stability. Yes. And that brings a lot of comfort. It does. And, you know, they know, you know, they know how much money they're going to make that month. They know exactly, they can plan their lives out because salary jobs are, for the most part, stable. Mm-hmm. But with freelancing, you know, you, yeah, you get all these freedoms, but, you know, you might have a really shit month and you might not be able to go out and have fun as much as you did like a couple of months ago. Yeah. So, and people don't like that because they might want children, for example. And with, you know, children are expensive. And if you, to have kids, I mean, I knew a guy when I lived in Japan, I met this guy. And he worked in film for a while. He was like an assistant director, production, like a pretty good like managerial set right. guy. I don't know exactly what it was. And he, and he just quit. And I was like, oh, why did you quit? And he said, I wanted a family. Like I wanted to have a family one day. And I knew if I kept going down this path, I wouldn't have time or it wasn't stable enough. I was like, oh, respect. Like you knew what you wanted and, you know, but for me... I don't want kids, so it offers me a lot of freedoms. Um, but yeah, life is tough. That was where I was going. <laughs> I'm sorry. First. We're really, we're really on a downer right now. I'm sorry. Well, no, I think we're talking. Life about sucks, things. and everyone's on the train tracks to hell. Choo 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 choo. Chugga chugga chugga. Um, no, I think we're talking about a lot of important stuff here, and it's stuff that. You and I seem to share a lot of common ground with, or at least like perspectives on, but it's, I think it's important for us to articulate these things because the general feeling Mm. of our upbringings or like the worlds that we were born into or observed or experienced were not that. Yeah. And at least in my experience, that was like a very isolating thing like yeah. to never identify with yeah. that. I used to think there was something seriously wrong with me mm. because I couldn't handle a nine to five. Yeah. You know, Monday to Friday, I would shut down, like mentally and physically start shutting down. And I was just like, what's wrong with me? Why, why does this keep happening to me? And now I'm just like, it's just because you're not built for that. And we're built different. We're very, very much so. And the majority of people can get on with it but I'm like, I can't do it. Mm. Sorry. Like I'm, I can work really intensely for like four hours and I can get a shit ton done. And then I'm like done for the day. But yeah. if I'm in an office that would look lazy, right? Mm-hmm. You know, because they haven't seen all the progress I've made in those four hours in an eight hour day. Right. Well, and that's a thing too. Like a lot of the times in the corporate environments you're there for an eight hour day but you only get four hours of work done because you're you have lunch for an hour Mm -hmm. ideally and then you have um 
you know, meetings that you need to go to. And most of the time, or a lot of the time, meetings can be just... Useless. Useless. <laughs> yes. I once uh, worked a full day at an office where I was... I had eight meetings that day. <sighs> and I got no work done. And then they were like, where... What work have you done? I was like, zero, none. I've done less work today, actually. I've done retroactive work. <laughs> but I will still take the my day's pay. <laughs> Thank you. Money, but, please. Um, yeah, really. But so all of that is so true. And I'm interested in if you think there is a balance or how best to approach having like being having all of this kind of you know not not so positive perspectives like knowing all of these things and having this awareness and well-roundedness but not letting it get to cynicism is there a balance there between having too much knowledge or being too curious about something and taking in all of this information and being like letting it affect you but not becoming a cynic. Ooh, I'm gonna need an example, maybe well, from you. Sure, sure, sure. Um, I think a lot of the time when people get a lot of information, they tend to become sad, mm. at least if it's presented in a way of just statistics or cold facts. Um, like how history is taught. <laughs> exactly like how history is taught. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, or, for example, like there's a, there's a whole argument about why a lot of young people, specifically young women, don't want to have children yeah. these days. Mm -hmm. um, Increasingly so, not mm -hmm. everybody, but increasingly so. And a lot of them tend to harp on like, oh, well, the environment is terrible. We're going into like the, you know, like global warming and global cooling and all that. It's not a stable environment and there's too, so it's one thing that there's too many people, which I've seen arguments for and against that with different perspectives, but like there's too many people for, uh, an individual to be treated as an individual is essentially the argument, uh, as well as it's expensive. And so when, from an outside perspective, if you have no, like, uh, like no, like say, like no desire, I guess, either way about the, the subject coming into it and hearing, like reading all of the information and getting all of this credible information and you know checking it from reputable sources and everything it's like yeah I don't really know why anybody would want to in that example have a kid like mm -hmm. <laughs> because mm -hmm. it is all of those things mm. um it comes from truth but it does tend to put blinders on people I think and can distract from other sources of of fulfillment and I think kind of puts people on negative feedback loops, at least from what I've seen. Mm -hmm. So I was curious to see if 
you've had any experiences with that or if you've had any thought patterns that you've caught yourself in where it's just been like a negative feedback loop Mm. and you've been able to break free from that. I think the subject of money and income, like I know it keeps being a very common thread in this chat, but um, I think my, I don't want to blame everything on my parents, but (laughs) (laughs) Uh, they are very much from a generation of like you, like making more money is success. Mm -hmm. So in order for me to feel successful, I need to be earning X number of dollars a year. And I think that that pressure really followed me for a long time. And it was, it was kind of like an echo chamber, like, you know, what kind of job are you going to get? How much does it pay a year? Like, what kind of car can you buy with that? What kind of house can you buy? And I, I think I broke out of it by just stop thinking that success meant earning a certain amount of money and more success meant feeling fulfilled. Mm. And I think a lot of people struggle with that perhaps because, you know, we're kind of taught to look down on people who don't earn a lot of money and respect people who earn a lot. And I think that's really, really wrong, you know? Um, Is that the kind of answer you were looking for? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) I was just making sure I was on topic. (laughs) It's a really interesting question. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I, I feel, I feel like that's probably one for me. Like, I do, sometimes my parents don't really understand why I do what I do because it's not stable and I don't earn as much money as they probably earned when they were my age. Mm -hmm. You know, when they were my age, they had three kids, a house, a dog, you know, a car, two cars. And, you know, I live in a one bedroom apartment, you know, Um, but obviously times have changed in terms of like inflation. (laughs) But they don't really understand my desire for not wanting something stable or wanting a salary. Um, so, it, it, And sometimes I do have to catch myself on days where I don't do much or I don't quote unquote earn enough money in a day um, to not feel like it was a, a failure, you know? And I think that when you stop thinking about money as a maybe like a badge of pride then your life sort of opens up a bit more mm-hmm. I mean and obviously that you have to find a balance because you have to live you have to pay rent or a mortgage or whatnot um so it is hard because of those challenges that we all go through um but that's something that I I think I w- have to work on constantly is not feeling like I'm not successful because I don't have X, Y, Z by this age. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. No, you've touched on some really important things there. Um, The pressure to Mm. adhere to a regimented lifestyle timeline Mm is to some... To people who 
do not naturally fit into that timeline can be honestly debilitating. It's stressful and it's, yeah, you'll feel really judged and looked Mm -hmm. down on. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, And then also, too, you mentioned that you feel like you have to catch yourself and be like cognizant and aware of yeah of your efforts and also it sounds like compassionate and appreciative mm-hmm. towards the strides that you're making and the progress that you're chipping away at no matter how like small i guess or um you know insignificant it might seem from an outside perspective yeah but i think that any amount of progress towards something is is not insignificant because you're taking those steps you're making those changes and you're tweaking and you're you're progressing and you're learning and you're going through um and yeah the the point is that you're you're doing something yeah and you're doing which can be difficult to feel sometimes yes but it's it's definitely something I've worked on in the last few years Mm. to to go from sort of working full-time as a video editor to then like not working and working on becoming a a writer and author Mm -hmm. like going from making money to not making any money and feeling useful or valid was difficult Mm because I always thought like even though I was writing a book and you know thinking about essentially starting a new business because it wasn't generating any income I had to sort of justify it in my mind but it's kind of silly like to think that way mm-hmm. I had to remind myself like yeah I spent today like sitting on the couch writing but that's still su- that's still progress that's still moving towards something that's important to me and just because like it's not generating money right now doesn't mean that it's not important in my life and you know eventually I would like it to make me money <laughs> Because it would be nice to live off of that because I really enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's some, that's something I've had to deal with in the last year or so. Mm-hmm. Kind of balancing that feeling feeling worthy of exploring a new adventure in my life. Uh, even if it's not what society would deem as responsible, I suppose. Mm. That makes sense. No, it makes perfect sense. It makes perfect sense. And I would just like to say that you are definitely worthy of it. And I would love to encourage you to do all of the things that are exciting and enticing to your (laughs) mind. You're the best. (laughs) Do you, um, in terms of, I think that there's a great deal of pressure to be productive or to at least ascertain the image of productivity especially in freelancers because like you said there's we're just kind of all on our own and it's kind of us against them or like an us against the world yeah we have a lot more freedom yeah and that can cause some jealousy yeah but then we're also jealous of their steady income and stability and you know (laughs) not having to like lay awake at night thinking shit yeah 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 i don't think we have enough money to do this next month (laughs) right oh my gosh yeah it gets it gets real when you have to measure it by months (laughs) yeah not years months weeks (laughs) Weeks, days oh my gosh (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> it's coming. Um, so do you think that there's like a, are there foundational components to something like productivity that can be broken down? Like is, is curiosity a building block of productivity or is, or are there building blocks of curiosity even, or I think curiosity is a spark mm-hmm. to me. It it kind of starts something. It starts a project. It starts a new hobby. It starts a new, you know, routine. But then eventually, like any spark, it dies down. Mm-hmm. And you have to sort of force it sometimes, like... And remind yourself, I kind of check in with yourself. Like, I think the last couple of years, I think everyone's been more, I think mindfulness has been a buzzword. It has. It um, has. So I think curiosity is really important to, to start something new, but then you have to check in with yourself, be mindful. Like, is this still making me tick? Is this still fulfilling me? And kind of you know evaluating yourself and it's okay if you don't feel curious anymore it's mm-hmm. kind of like me and my short-lived tarot reading yeah like phase like there might have been a time where I would really beat myself up about it that I you know that I got so far in this um this hobby and then just kind of like gave up really really soon after it began but um but I have to learn it's okay. Like I gave it a shot. It it's not for me and that's okay. Like yeah. on to the next thing. Right. And I think that's a really helpful mentality to have. Like you gave it a good college try. Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> <laughs> that's the one. And you know, you kind of like you let that opportunity happen and you appreciated the opportunity for the for what it was. And then you just let it go. You know, and and, I, yeah, and I, I learned something from it. You know, right. I learned some things about tarot and about playing cards, the history yeah. of the playing cards. Yeah. And the, that, you know, learning is, is something I love, mm-hmm. even though I'm very lazy. <laughs> it, takes, it takes quite a spark of curiosity to get me going. But um, there might have been a time when I would have felt bad about mm. you know stopping something yeah but i think it's forgiving yourself and just checking in with yourself and being mindful of what makes you happy is really important mm. i think so too and as a lifelong learner myself it makes me very happy to to hear that you share that trait um but i also wonder i see a lot of people stop um stop asking questions and stop you know Mm. stop like using that part of their psyche and stop you know stop learning basically yeah do you have any insights or um like thoughts I guess about why people are stop asking questions or are discouraged from being curious because of the man (laughs) (laughs) uh i think it's it's just um 
Hmm. Let me think here for a second. I think maybe it's because the the stresses of day-to-day life become overwhelming and tiring. And, you know, whenever I've worked in an office job or, you know, something that required me to be in a, in a space for nine to five, um, I always came home and felt so drained, just so sad and so mm. like empty almost just, mm. I felt like all my energy had been sapped from me and Mm. I couldn't imagine like learning in those times. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, that's probably a big reason why people stop wanting to learn is because, you know, working takes up like 80% of your time. Yeah. And if there's any, I think that the four day work week the companies that have tried it have been super successful because just that one extra day in the weekend or trusting their employees to like go home at a certain time and haven't there been a couple of laws passed in europe that legally bosses are not allowed to contact their employees after they leave the office like mm. that, that's huge and i'm seeing a lot of steps being taken in the world to to give people more time to learn to be curious so i i think that you know i don't know where i'm going with this <laughs> i'm just kind of snowballing now sure sure please snowball away make a whole snowman if you'd like yay <laughs> um yeah i just think it's it's energy you know mm-hmm. like to feel curious about something, you have to sort of feel energized by something. And if mm. you're in a routine that's a loop of being tired and being exhausted, then it's difficult to break out of. Mm. So, and even, you know, we've talked about being, having more freedom as a freelancer, like even though we we have those freedoms, like we still are bogged down by fears of, of, income that can dampen the spark of curiosity and creativity and learning and all that fun stuff um so yeah i think it's it's just carving more time for yourself in any way that you possibly can Mm -hmm. but also forgiving yourself if you are tired yeah 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 i think that's a beautiful point about how curiosity is somewhat synonymous with energy yes and uh energy and also the ability to prioritize oneself because i I think that speaks exactly to what a lot of people face when they're not able to participate or try things that they enjoy and i think that's one reason why things like vacations are so celebrated or um yeah just like paid time off or anything like that because you finally or retirement for example because you finally get a chance to to devote some time to yourself as a human being instead of a a cog in a wheel yeah i think that some of the things that i joke about is i think adults should have recess 
playtime. Oh, absolutely. But not just like, oh, go sit in this windowless room for an hour eating your sandwich, but like making adults go outside and yeah. play. Like, why can't we play anymore? That's what I'm saying. Can you to imagine how in shape society would be if we still had play structures or we played like tag oh i can imagine it i yeah you live it (laughs) that is the world i am trying to create yeah but (laughs) but you know like celebrating like being outside and not being cooped up in an office like slaving away like when when you told me like the the theme of the podcast was curiosity i thought about that uh that concept of Imagine the first person who saw a beehive and was like, what's in there? Oh, no. Like, what's, what's going on in there? And then discovering honey, you know? Ah, yes. Like, probably stung all over. Right. But still, like, that curiosity was sparked by being outside and, and kind of exploring the world. Um, doesn't have to be something super, like, global or you know on a huge scale but I think if we just like walked around more and celebrated being silly and you know I I, it's just such a shame that adults are told to be serious all the time and to have all these responsibilities because playing is fun and I'm drawn to fantasy and video games like escapism you know media not because you know i'm i'm miserable it's just because it excites me like thinking of possibilities like wouldn't it be cool if like Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um and i think that adults are sort of told that it's just imaginary just get over it kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But then you see all these adults making careers off of it, like Critical Role, like doing a Dungeons and Dragons campaign and now they've made a business from it. Like, you know, I think we're heading in the right direction. I think our generation in particular Mm -hmm. are going to be, it's going to be interesting to see like that renaissance you were saying is coming I'm really the witches. The witches. <laughs> the witches are coming. We will rise. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's gonna be like, you know, the 60s, the 20s, like there's gonna be this huge celebration, hopefully, when all this dies down and we get to be free again and not worry about disease. I hope so too. I hope so too. How are you on time? Fine. Fine. Do yeah. you have time for a couple more questions? Oh yeah. Okay, sure. great. So I, I do have a couple things I wanted to ask you about, um, but otherwise I would wrap it up if you were getting pressed. So you're good to stay. Mm-hmm. Okay, wonderful. I'm I'm so enjoying this conversation. It's making me very happy, and I think we're getting, uh, hitting a lot of really good ideas and talking points. Um, One of the ideas that popped into my head is just that curiosity, um, synonymous or similar to energy, but it's also similar to innovation. Yes. And it is just, it is how we progress. Yeah. And it's what makes us different from just another animal species. Yes. 
I mean, look at, we're sat in this building right now. Like, I have no idea how this building was made, but no. someone at some point figured out how to weave fabric to make this carpet. Or, right. You know, <laughs> all this stuff is so cool. And it's all from someone just being curious. Yeah. Like, you know, how do we make this structure stronger? I'm going to start mixing things together. Yeah. And then we have... I don't know, fucking wood, cement, bricks. <laughs> All of it. All of those things. All of it. I have no idea about Play. any of it. <laughs> well, and that's the thing too. Like I look around and I don't remember I don't remember exactly what it was off the top of this off the top of my head, but it was something to do with I was like cleaning or something in my apartment. And I just like took a second and I was like, I have no idea how any of this works. No, and yeah. it's not even like I really care to, mm. but it's just the fact that that's somebody's life. Yeah. Like that yeah. is their, it's either a job or a vocation or they figured it out or that knowledge was passed down and shared. And it's just amazing that we, that people live in this world and just take all of it for granted as just a day to day. And also, so there's, they take it for granted. A lot of people do because um, it's hard to be appreciative about literally everything. Like everything. Just trying to survive. Mm -hmm. Understandable. And I'm definitely not the most uh, <laughs> like the superstar of, of gratefulness or anything, but or gratitude. But um, but on top of that, that uh, like it, all of this stuff exists and that it propels society forward and mm -hmm. that it progresses us as um as as people and as a species and so it saddens me to think about um things like uh well I'm happy to think about things like continuing education but it saddens me that continuing education isn't something that is like encouraged necessarily or like or available available yeah. yeah like it's behind tuition yeah 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 there's a paywall in front of everything i wanted to what is it called auditing a class yeah. when you don't oh, pay yeah. i was like i contacted someone from i think agnes scott which mm -hmm. is nearby i was like hey i want to audit this class and they were like no you have to pay like you still have to pay something. I'm like, but, but I just want to sit in and yeah, I don't want, observe. I really don't want a certificate. I don't want a degree. I just want to learn. And they were like, Definitely no. don't want homework. Yeah. They was, <laughs> they was like, no, you have to, you have to have this specific tuition. And it was like too much money for me. Yeah. Um, which is a shame because it's like, come on, guys, let me in. Bang, bang, bang. Yeah. No, literally. <laughs> I'm just trying to learn. I just want to bring my notebook and make notes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And it's so – it just it just seems so absurdly counterintuitive to me because mm. the way – like, like learning is momentum. Mm -hmm. Like, learning is progression. Mm-hmm. And so if you're not, like, it's unlikely that, what what class was it? I wanted to do, like, a Japanese oh, class because I, I know a little bit of the language and I just yeah. wanted to um, brush up my skills. Maybe not, like, 
a Japanese speaking, but like more of a history or yeah. Japanese history. I don't know. I was yeah. kind of like just testing the waters. But as soon as they said like, no, you have to pay, I was like, well, fine. Right, right, right. Well, it's in the grand scheme of things, it's I guess it's unlikely for you as an individual to have taken that class and changed the world. <laughs> but but what but, if? But, it's possible. There's a slight, there's a possibility. I could have done it. But like to sacrifice that potential by putting a paywall up in front of it. Yeah. And to make that a pattern and something that is consistent, like discourages everybody from, you know, from investing in themselves in the, in their intellect and in their curiosity because why why should they pay x amount of dollars for uh, a class for more information when they can already use the information that they have to pay rent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's just makes me so sad. <laughs> yeah. I hope that education, and I mean, it's just funding, isn't it? I think like, so. Put more funding in education, then we won't have all these paywalls to keep these institutions running. Um, but there are, there are ways to get around it. Like there's a lot of people on YouTube who teach Japanese and yeah, it might not be the, the one-on-one interaction you might need, but it's something. Yeah. And there's also like website like Coursera that I've done some little courses on. Oh, cool. The witchcraft one was gotcha. that one, which was really interesting because it was just videos. I took notes and they had little questions at the end. And then I got this little, like, huzzah, you did this course. Good for you. A little certificate. Or, like, it wasn't a physical thing, but you have to pay money for that. (laughs) Oh, yeah, of course. Let me take a screenshot. (laughs) But it was still really fun, and I really enjoyed the the act of learning Mm -hmm. for free. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And for free is the the key word, (laughs) key words there. Um, I think it's just wonderful that you kind of, have been able to gravitate towards things that you that are actually interesting to you and that mm. you just jump right in and and learn them yeah. or you experience them and then uh let them go like with the tarot and all of that <laughs> but i think all of that is valuable and i really think that it to some degree people need to play with and absorb information from a variety of different sources to Mm -hmm. figure out what they like and for one to shape their identity but then also to um kind of further their knowledge of themselves and once people know kind of what they're about then I feel like that can inspire people to to give back like in your case when you're when you're 50 and you're gonna be a mentor be a mentor (laughs) going to be leading the world um has your curiosity ever and you're just like wanting to learn things about people or subjects or anything your inquisitiveness has it ever led you astray Ooh. one time i was pretending to be a dog okay when I was a child. Got it. <laughs> and my dog ate some dog food. Mm-hmm. And I thought, what's that taste like? So I ate some dog food. And, that, it, and it was awful. Yeah. My curiosity led me astray. 
(laughs) (laughs) That dog food was awful. But I did it and I tried it. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's important. Now I know. Now And now you know. And you're better for it. Don't eat dog food. And like your, (laughs) what is it called? The human... Design. Design. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's pretty aligned with that in that you had to fail and try it. I had to fail. I had to. to. Because somebody could have told you that you shouldn't eat it. But would you believe them? Nope. I think there was a, in a serious answer. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) There was a point in university, I relate my time at uni as kind of a failure mm. personally. Like I did the work and I got like, I got a degree and I got like a good grade, like not the best, like, cause in England you get a first, a two one, a two two or a third. Those mm. are the four grades mm-hmm. and I got a two one. It's kind of got like a B, gotcha. which was good. Um, but during that time, I think I was just struggling to figure out who I was as a person. Am I too close? Oh, yeah. I think Sorry. So. Yeah, yeah you can just there. yell at you're me. Good. <laughs> <laughs> you're good there. You're good there. Um, but I started, I saw these, I kind of made friends with people who weren't, who I thought that I wanted to be. Mm. So I think my curiosity in seeing how they worked and how they lived and their their the way they they think, you know, um, I tried to replicate it in a way that was very unlike me. Mm. Um, because, and that wasn't their fault. That was my fault. Mm. You know, for example, they would on more of a shallow level, like they wore a lot of bright colors and, you know, they had like, they kind of like look like gypsy. Um, oh, that's not the right word to use these days. Is it uh, like hippie? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> My bad. I'm sorry. Like hippie layers. Um, you know, they, they just looked really colorful and bright. And that was really attractive to me at that time because they were they radiate so much positivity and people like gravitated towards them and I was like I want to be like that but you know I so I started trying to wear bright colors and I remember I went to this party it was like a garden party at university and they picked out a dress for me and it was this like yellow and blue dress and I wore it and I felt awful like mm-hmm. I just physically felt so uncomfortable because I'm, that's not me. So I think that, you know, I was so curious to live life like them uh, that I, and I just kind of blindly went into that life of being around them all the time and trying to look like them that I lost, you know, a bit of myself um, in that process. Mm. So that's kind of where it, it led me astray in the past. and But I did learn from it. I did learn to listen to myself. You know, I love wearing black. So what if everything I own is black? Or, you know, it's not a big deal. It's not a problem. Like ignore people who tell you that it's like, oh, you need to wear more color. Why? What Am I hurting you? And for what? You know, like, am I hurting you by wearing all black? Yeah. Like, am I hurting you for wearing eyeliner? 
you know, it's like, because at my heart, I'm a, like a little emo goth kid. And, you know, the, because that's just who I am, you know. Um, whereas those girls were more hippie, beach wave, surfer style girls. And, you know, that's them and this is me and that's okay. But I had to, again, human design, my human design, I had to go through with it to learn that it just was really not me and it really made me uncomfortable. Um, and I think, I try not to think of it as time wasted, but I was around those those friends and they were very good friends. I'm not saying like they weren't good people or anything like that. I was around them for three years and now like we don't talk anymore you know like we we grew apart from each other because naturally we weren't we just weren't similar we didn't share any interests I just saw them as this beacon of you know who I wanted to be at the time and then whereas there were there were probably people in my class who I know now were like oh you're really cool like I should have spent more time with you Mm. but you know I was I think I was just too curious to see what life would be like, you know, mm-hmm. as the the fun, pretty, uh, luminescent girl, <laughs> rather than the nerdy D and D playing, guitar playing, ev- evanescence piano <laughs> player in the corner, you know, wannabe horse girl. Oh, wannabe horse girl. <laughs> wannabe a knight. Yeah. Want to be jousting. Yeah. Well, I think it's really, thank you for sharing that. I think um, it can be really challenging for anyone to try and fit in. Yeah. And there's a pressure to want to be accepted and yeah. want to chase that acceptance and validation and all of those things. Um, but especially so with uh when it comes to like people you admire and you can like physically see the appreciation or admiration that they're getting from other people um and also with somebody who's very intuitive like yourself I'm sure you were able to it sounds like you were very self-aware in that moment and you recognize I one I look different than they look so you recognized that there was a difference between you at least in your appearance um and so you altered your appearance to try and mimic them or model them um but you it just felt completely wrong yeah it really did like it i felt so awkward wow and that self-awareness is really incredible to me um because there, there are so many people who just don't have the foresight, I guess, to see all of the different routes that they can take their individualism and their identity. But you were not only able to see all of those different ways that you could present yourself and shape your identity or share your identity through something like clothing or... Um, interests and personality and all of that sort of thing but you acknowledge that you changed your behavior and then you realized that that wasn't you Mm -hmm. 
And so I think that's that's just incredible that you were able to reclaim that. It did take me a while. Oh, I'm sure. You know, to to kind of recalibrate. Um, And again, I need to make mistakes to learn from them. They're great teachers. (laughs) (laughs) What about you? Has anything led you astray? Um, I can't think of an example where... I've just wanted to like, well, I I can think of an example similar to, to that in that I was, I did a lot of mimicking. Like I am basically a professional mimic (laughs) Uh, where I model people's behavior that I think is interesting. Um, I think we're all like that though. I think so too. Yeah. I've definitely picked up things along the way. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. And, uh, it's kind of fun, like swapping them out. Like, oh, this is working for me. This is not working for me. I'll tweak that in this environment. Exactly. (laughs) Doing all that. But I don't really. We're very modular. Yes. Very adaptable. (laughs) She's, she's hip. She can, she's changeable. She's. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah, but so like that was kind of me in middle school, really, though, where there I was introduced to the more like preppy, I guess, or preppy is remind me. Mm, Yeah. So preppy is. um, Is it like the academic people? Um, No, that would just be. So it's interesting, at least in my middle school and high school. Wow, this is taking me back. Um, <laughs> there were all sorts of students. There were like the nerdy kids, I guess, or yeah. the band kids and um, people who generally made good grades, which is usually where I would fall into. Um, there were also the athletes. Um, and then there were uh, the the preppy kids. But the preppy kids... There were kind of two groups of them. Mm. There were the preppy kids. The preppy was essentially just like we wear the um, the designer or not designer, but like the name brand clothing, and we're keeping up with trends, and we're popular. We go to parties, we socialize. Popular, popular. Okay. Yes. yes. I do mix up my my terminology sometimes because I know is preppy the same as being a jock. I know so jocks can be preppy. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So jock is um They're just athletes. athletes. Yes. What's the would you call a someone who identifies as female a jock? Or is there like a Oh, that's a really good question. Maybe like a jockette. Because <laughs> you know it's all very like gender-based, like it is. men are jocks. Yeah. But what are women? Like there are definitely women athletes. Women don't exercise. Oh, they need to go learn how to sew. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, that's a really good question. I feel like there's probably a term, but I was not in that group, so I have no idea what it is. <laughs> so you were kind of popular. You were prep, prepper, prepperton, prepette. Uh, no, I was a, I was like nerd band kid. Oh, yeah. But yeah, in middle yeah. school, you felt. Well, in middle school, there was like the, the the preppy kids were the most popular, and they seemed to know everybody. So me being like, you know, 
not really knowing too many people in my middle school when I first got there and also like wanting to people please, I was like, oh, I need to model their behavior. Right. And I was very conscious that I was doing it. So I started wanting to go to uh, shop at Aeropostale because that was like the main store back then. And then um, also I got a Vera Bradley purse uh, to carry around because that's what they all would carry. And so I definitely had my share of like mimicking but it didn't necessarily like lead me astray it was more of just like a trying things out yeah and I agree with you that it wasn't like I don't think about those things as like wasted time because I think that I did need to go through all of that to and try things out and figure out what worked or what didn't or just like what felt good and what didn't feel Mm. good um to you know to figure out you know just like to to mold myself you know, but I can't really think of a specific time where my like wanting to learn has like backfired. On You're me. the most self-aware person I know. Oh, really? <laughs> In a good way. Okay. Like, you know who you are and you know what you want. And it's really fascinating to me because mm. it's taken me... Um, I forget our age difference. You're 25? Six. 26. Yeah. So I... Are you turning 27 this year? Unfortunately. <laughs> That's what they tell me. So I'm six years older than you. Okay. Um, and I feel like I was still figuring my shit out at 26. Yeah. But I feel like you're ahead of me in that. Maybe. I don't but know. It, but that's okay. Like... For me, I used to think, you know, one of my biggest regrets was university Mm. because I spent a lot of time figuring myself out in the wrong direction Mm -hmm. before circling back, you know, and staying true to who I was at the beginning. Mm -hmm. Um, And I used to always kick myself for figuring that out that late in life, even though I was still young. I was still a teenager when I started uni. Um... But now I've learned that it's okay that I've only just started to figure myself out. Um, but you've always seen someone who has had themselves figured out. Mm. Maybe not like you don't know all the answers, but you know, you know when to stop things, if that makes sense. You yeah. know when something doesn't serve you in a positive way anymore. Right. And right. it's always been... It's very inspiring in a way to, to be like, huh, like maybe I should check in and think, is this, am I growing from this? I remember we, we were talking about relationships or something and you said something along the lines of like, you like to feel like you're growing when you're in a relationship. Um, and if you're not, then what's the point? And I, that was so insightful to me. Mm. And I think that should be important to everyone. Like, am I growing in this moment in time, not just in a relationship, but in life? Like, am I growing right now? Because as soon as you stop growing and not and stop wanting to grow, then to me, that's like, to be dramatic, it's kind of like death, you know? <laughs> like, it is. Like, it is. it's just like, what are you living for? So... I've always admired your, like, the way you think is so introspective mm. and it makes me think. So, yay. Yay you. <laughs> yay for Sarah. Oh, cheers all around. Yay! 
<laughs> oh, well, that's really sweet of you to say and also to to vocalize that and to observe that. Um, I've, I've always felt like I've been pretty in tuned with myself. Yes. But I think what happened is that I... Like, at a very young age, like, basically as soon as I was, like, conscious of, like, <laughs> thought and yeah. memory, um, I remember telling myself things like, oh, okay, this this is right. This is what I'm doing or supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but then what happened was uh, when I was really little and I knew these things about myself, I didn't – I either didn't have the vocabulary to express the things that I wanted to do or uh, I would forget about them because I was – three or four <laughs> you're a dumb kid, <laughs> dumb kid. <laughs> um or that i just didn't have any like control over mm-hmm. your over like my lifestyle which yeah. you don't as a as a child because you're you know you're at the at the discretion and uh beck and call of your guardians or your parents or of your teachers um which is very appropriate, but so all of the things that I knew about myself were true, but they diminished greatly, um, like through the honestly through the whole schooling system. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> because that's, that's what we're talking kind about. Of what it is, um, but it's it warms my heart to to hear that you've seen those qualities in me, even when I wasn't necessarily tapped into those hmm. parts of myself so it's very sweet i appreciate yeah. it one thing that i do notice in terms of like closeness or intimacy or companionship that also has to do with curiosity is that i tend to use my curiosity or um inquisitiveness as a defense mechanism Really? Yeah, yeah. And I've caught myself doing it most days. Yeah. (laughs) In that um, I prefer to, or it's more comfortable for me. It's not necessarily that I prefer it. It's just more comfortable to ask other people questions Mm. and deflect off of myself and to learn about them and to observe their behavior and to just kind of, I guess, similar to like you were saying, create a holistic picture of whoever I'm talking to and with but I also feel like it keeps me from I don't know it keeps all of the things I might be worried about or insecure about or just not don't have complete control over necessarily you're just not ready to share it deflects all of those things Mm -hmm. from me so I was wondering if you've caught yourself doing a similar thing or if you've ever used your curiosity or information seeking to to for a purpose other than um getting information Hmm. i don't think so Mm. i'm definitely I'm definitely very open as a person. Yeah. So you could ask me anything and I would answer you. Uh, Very open book. Don't really feel... I don't have any reaction to sharing personal information. Um, 
and that's just the way I'm wired I think mm. and I used to I used to find it funny when people wouldn't <laughs> I used to ask people like personal questions and they'd be like I don't want to tell you and I'm like why <laughs> you know like why not like I tell you it took me a while to understand mm. like not everyone feels comfortable mm-hmm. sharing and that's okay you know everyone is different everyone has a different level of comfort um but yeah, I, I genuinely just ask people about themselves and I like to know people on a personal level um, because it makes me feel closer to them. Mm-hmm. And I like that companionship. I like, I like feeling that people can rely on me. It's, I'm a very, I would say I'm a very, and I've been told I'm a very compassionate person. And I would agree with that. Um, very empathetic. So um, I don't, yeah, I don't think so. I don't think that I have a, a similar experience, but I completely understand why you would feel that way. Like why you would want to deflect because mm-hmm. it's just a feeling, right? Like if someone asks you something really personal and you f- immediately feel that wall go up, like it's okay to feel that and it's okay to deflect mm-hmm. and you know if if you want to work on it great if you don't then you know just make sure you're keeping yourself safe kind of thing right um yeah well i think you've always done such a wonderful job of being present in moments and with people so it it doesn't surprise me to to hear that all of your your natural inquiry is uh is just that it's natural and genuine and you know I like to think so yeah (laughs) like I yeah it's funny like I like hearing quote-unquote gossip right but I don't use it for any malice Mm -hmm. like I literally just absorb it yeah and that's that like I don't spread anything I don't go oh did you know that blah 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 it's just like I just like knowing like it's, it's just fluff yeah it's like if someone tells me like they're getting a divorce from their partner I'd be like why and yeah. it, they might be like oh I don't want to talk about it I'm like but I need to know <laughs> you yeah, know you can't just say that and not elaborate <laughs> you know, and, it's, and it's not like I'm gonna judge you it's not like I'm gonna like tell anyone I just there's just this feeling like I just need to know yeah I got to know yeah well that's just teasing at that point they give you like the thesis but not the the conclusion (laughs) the conclusion yeah oh my gosh but then I I also have learned to understand that people because I used to be very pushy as a as a youth oh did you (laughs) yeah like with close friends when they would put up a boundary I'd be like no you're not allowed like we're best friends oh you played the best friend card (laughs) I don't think I did I'd I'd just be like why won't you just tell me you know and I'd ask them why over and over again they'd be like I just don't want to like but I think I would I think I saw it as like if you don't want to tell me it's because you don't trust me and that makes me feel bad. It was a very bad habit. Ah, uh, like, I see. Why can't you trust yeah. me with this information? Right. And not understanding that, you know, not you don't have to share everything. Yeah. Like some things you can keep to yourself. Yeah. But I'm again, I'm such an open book. Like it took me a while 
to realize that not everyone is an open book like you. Mm. Like you need to give people their room, give people their space. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's been a wild ride. This thing called life. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just keep on going. <laughs> um. So in in the like in any of the relationships that you've had with people of any sort have there been times when they felt one-sided to you where you or has there been a relationship that's felt that way to you where you have kind of been the um like the person more interested than the other person or vice versa have you felt it the other way and if so was that like a fair position or was that a fair like relationship so many people really so many people that i've i've wanted to get to know better but they've kept me at arm's length or they've not reciprocated the same amount of conversation Mm. that i do like I find that I connect with people who not only like answer my questions in a meaningful way, but also ask similar questions to me. And it doesn't always have to be like, I know that I can be intense, (laughs) you know, with, with getting to know people and like digging a little deeper. Um, But, and I don't expect that level of, attention to be you know thrown back at me but Mm -hmm. some level of like back and forth so yeah there was there's been many times where I've tried to have friendships with people where I've like I've always been the one to arrange to hang out or I've always been the one to ask them questions you know um and then they just you know, it's not like they don't like me. Like, we'll have fun in the moment, but then it just dies down. Mm-hmm. Um, but there have been, there's been a couple of instances, instances, especially when moving to Atlanta, that people seemed like they wanted a connection with me, but I just wasn't available for them. Because mm-hmm. I think at that, by the time I moved here, I think I had learned so many lessons of, if you just don't feel a connection with someone, then don't try and make one happen. Mm. Like you don't have to be friends with everyone. Right. You don't have to have a deep, meaningful connection with everyone. When was, whereas when I was growing up, I think I wanted to have meaningful connections with everyone I met kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I had to learn that sometimes, you know, people just, their plates are full or they they have a limited amount of space in their life for deep meaningful connections and that's okay I remember I worked with someone at a cinema and she had a lot of common interests as me and I just was always trying to like get her attention and like hang out with her but she just never seemed to want to and I used to think like why like but we have so much in common, you know, but then now I'm like, well, she clearly had her own life that, you know, she might not not have had room for another, another friend, like, and that's fine. Um, but yeah, going back to 
the other direction. Like there have been people who have tried to connect with me, um, especially here in Atlanta, because I think Atlanta is just full of uh, like expats, you know, Mm -hmm. everyone, like it's quite rare to meet someone in Atlanta who's from Atlanta now. Oh yeah. Everyone's from all over the place. Yeah. And I think that a lot of people try to connect with someone who is quote unquote local um, because I've been here for seven, six years now. So you could kind of see me as more local than someone who just moved in. Um, So yeah, there's been a couple of times when people wanted to connect with me, but I've just been like, I just don't have the space in my life. Like I think as I've gotten older, I've, I've just limited the amount of, of, uh, to be a D&D nerd spell slots you know <laughs> like I only have a certain amount of slots in my life and I've filled them for the time being and the rest I have to take for myself and um and it's not like I was nasty or mean or like ghost of anyone but I might not be as active mm. in hanging out with someone um but yeah like yeah I think definitely have had it both ways mm-hmm. and I always feel bad when people like do talk to me and like clearly are like hey let's hang out like I don't have any friends here you know and I'm like oh I don't think I have time because yeah. I've got plans this weekend and the weekend after that because I've already got like my group here in Atlanta you mm-hmm. know and I really value alone time so I right. slot that in for myself so yeah yeah I, I can be a little unavailable, mm. depending, you know, but yeah, I think I, I need to work more on opening up my, adding more spell slots to my repertoire yeah. and adding more. I think I definitely closed in a bit mm. at some point in the last few years. And now I think I'm ready to like open up a bit more and let more people in. Mm-hmm. But, it, you know, I think that will constantly change. Mm-hmm. You know, I think... I was very happy with my group here, of my group of friends and my alone time. But now it's like, okay, you know, I, I want to grow. I'm curious about who else is out there. I'm curious about new people. So I'm ready to like open up my life again. Mm. So yeah, it was never malicious. I'm trying to say, I sound like such a, such a bitch when I say I don't have time <laughs> for you. <laughs> no, no, but not it was at all. more of an emotional time if that makes sense because I do invest a lot of emotion into people you do and yeah. if if and if I feel like I'm at my capacity like it it's just like oh like oh I just I'm, I'm busy I'm sorry I'm sorry like let's let's do it another time you yeah. Know? Yeah, yeah but now I'm feeling more excited about meeting new people and experiencing more for sure mm-hmm. well yeah I think uh I think it's it's all coming from from a place of sincerity and also awareness with what you want and also what you need and can sustain in a particular time or circumstance of your life. I've been having to think of uh, things as seasons, including people, unfortunately, which yeah. I kind of share that same sentiment with you where I like ideally I would love deep and meaningful companionship and connection with everybody that Mm. I meet but 
unfortunately it's not really realistic it's not sustainable it's not sustainable for sure but I think it's wonderful that you can like know that energy in yourself and allot it to specific uh specific people or to things that you are passionate about and that you can devote to that you know that you can show up for or support if needed and in terms of people who can hopefully give you energy and time and investment and want to uplift you as well. Um, and I am so excited for all of your your growth and your opening up. And I am, I don't know, just, I'm excited to see you flourish. Aw, so thank it's you. Very, it's a very and exciting time for me to be an observer. And for you, your podcast and your new adventure. I'm so excited for you. Well, thank you. Thank you. Um, just a couple thoughts to, to wrap up and close out. Mm-hmm. I would like you to finish this statement in any way you see fit. Okay. Okay. A life of curiosity is... Hmm. One moment. Yes. You yes. put my monocle on. Oh, yes. So <laughs> dapper. A life of curiosity is life itself, I guess, to be deep. <laughs> <laughs> but I find that, yeah, just curiosity is kind of like everything drives innovation, growth, and I think that for me personally, if I stop being curious, then I stop being, you know, being me. So yeah, I guess that would be my my sentence. Yeah. What is one thing that you would like listeners to know about you? Well, oh, this is a point where I plug myself well you have been listening to the ramblings of Sean Krubeck I am an aspiring writer I'm coming out with a romance novel hopefully later in the year you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at SJ Krubeck I believe are both handles yeah, I'm probably going to start posting up that. Like right now, they're both dormant, but <laughs> there's just like pictures of cats and. That's not dormancy. <laughs> That's quality content. Picture of cats and random questions to people on Twitter that never answer me because Twitter is horrible. But uh, <laughs> yeah, those are the those are the pages that I'll be probably marketing myself on. So if you want to follow me on there. That would be great. Yes, please go follow Sean. She's been such a good friend to me and companion. And she's just so, so super duper creative and just uh, worth a follow for sure. Thank you. (laughs) I'm overwhelmed with love. (laughs) Thanks so much for for sharing your time with me. Oh, yeah. Anytime. I'll come back for a human design reading if you want. (laughs) Oh, I would love that. I mean, honestly, we could do it right now. (laughs) I think I need to do a little research. Okay, great. But we'll put a pin in that and come back. Okay, We'll learn all about Sarah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I would honestly love to do that. But um, yeah, thanks. Thanks again for stopping by and thanks everybody for for listening. We'll see you later.
This episode is sponsored by Squarespace. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome back, friends. I hope you enjoyed that fun little chat with my good friend, Sean Krubeck. I always look forward to our chats and come out of them leaving a lot more inspired, more energized, and a little bit more wise. So I hope it was the same for you. Sean let me know that she has consulted the stars and rearranged the pyramids and did whatever else she needed to do to acquire my human design reading. So we will be setting up a date to get together soon so that she can present the results to me and we're going to record that and, and go over those together. So I think that'll be a fun time. So you can look forward to that human design little mini-sode coming out soon, but in the meantime, why not go try out a hobby that you've always been interested in, or head to Google and type in hobbies and just try the first one that comes up. Try to ask more questions throughout your day and make less assumptions. Whatever you choose to do, get your mind going and go be curious for the sake of being curious. I think you'll be pleasantly surprised where curiosity can take you. Make sure to follow Sean on her Twitter and Instagram at SJ Krubeck so that you can keep up with her romance novels and her other writing endeavors. And if you would like to read a little bit more about Sean and also my experience with curiosity, you can head to Substack and read the accompanying article for this podcast. And you can also Follow and subscribe to the Let Me Play Project on Instagram, Facebook, Substack, and YouTube. We'll be back next week with a new word and a new friend. Until then, thanks for playing.